Hey everybody, we're back. It's episode 7 chat time. And it's it strikes me that even in an episode that on the surface maybe has less to talk about than usual, this is still an episode of Game of Thrones where a lot happened and there's still a lot to talk about, a lot to guess what might come next. We are getting near the end of the season. There's only three episodes left now. A lot of things have been set up. And let me tell you, I was holding on to this hound shirt all season long, waiting to bust this out. <laughs> that was exciting. I didn't know when it would be, but it seemed pretty likely, having looked at some of the preseason trailer stuff, and, and you know maybe knowing a few things from the books that, that may have clued me in, or not. Can't say whether or not it's actually in there or not, but... You know, obviously everybody knows I've read the book, so I can't... When I say I was suspecting something, you're going to guess maybe I guessed it because of what happens in the books. But I won't tell you whether that's true or not. You can keep wondering. So, anyway, great episode still, even though it had, like I said, a little bit less to talk about, maybe. A lot of cool underlying themes. And I thought one thing that was nice, really interesting, was there was a lot of dilemmas. A lot of, like, what would you do in this spot? And it's a tough... You put yourself in their position, and it's really difficult. And I think that was something that is not only a theme of this episode, but it's a theme of Game of Thrones in general, of people having tough decisions, people being conflicted, and being, you know, using a cliche, being caught between a rock and a hard place, things like that. So, Shashan, welcome back, and give me, uh, let's let's hear your, your overall thoughts on the episode before we get into the specifics. Overall... Uh, it was bittersweet. It was frustrating for me. I will say, uh, if anyone's watched the podcast and listened to everything I had to say, don't. I believed and wanted to believe that the Hound was dead and should be dead. I, f- I feel like the wounds he took, the way they showed it, it, it's just not realistic for him to survive that. You know, I think the beating he took, if in modern times a doctor was standing right there ready to treat him, I still think he's unlikely to survive. Hmm. Maybe if the doctor has like the support of a hospital, so he can give a blood transfusion, and you know all the tools of medicine. In modern times, I still well, feel like really, he's in was he really dire cut, straits. Was he really but, cut that badly? I mean, I can kind of see where you're coming from, but I, I I do disagree with that. If modern medicine would have been able to save him easily, I believe because he didn't have no single yeah. injury he had was that critical. He had a lot of different injuries. Compound fracture yeah. in your thigh is certainly not anywhere near fatal. Well, it is if it's not treated because you're going to bleed. Well, again, we're talking about yeah. with modern medicine. I'm right. sure that, that's and, the point right, I'm challenging that, you. Right, yeah. yeah. I, maybe I'm going a little too extreme. Especially considering that this is TV where hospital, this kind of thing right. is actually fairly common. Right, because that is the first thing I'll say is I think that... that I mean, how many almost, times have you seen someone get punched in the face right. and there'd be no bruise? I was going to say you know? almost every time <laughs> that Brienne smashed him in the face, I think that should, you just should have been in a coma. You know, you should have brain damage and teeth smashed out and can't see out of one of his eyes and she did it like 10 times yeah i mean so should so right. should so should so should john he got right. his head smashed on an anvil you know? almost every character it's and par for the every, course right yeah. right but i feel like they lay it on like that's the type of thing people get hit in the face and live through and so all right we got to make it sure that he's been killed so let's yeah. have him also get kicked and fallen over and down a cliff and blood out of everything you know what i mean it seems like they did every and then aria leaves him for dead that's what it means to leave someone for dead and there wasn't a doctor with modern medicine there you know like apparently there was a person who maybe has some kind of healing powers but uh they seem to make it clear that hey i'm just a guy just doing what i'm told i'll be the murderer i'll be the arsonist he wasn't like well i was trained as a doctor so i was able to bring you back he was like i thought you're gonna die every time i looked at you you know and like yeah uh i can so anyway it's frustrating to me I've said since season two, it's harder to choose a, a favorite character, right? And yeah. it's also hard to 
think about why you're choosing a favorite character because someone like Tyrion or Danny who get so much airtime you're easier to pick but of the secondary or tertiary characters my three favorite characters I guess Bronn Sansa at this point has become pretty central it's hard to say how she was before because she was kind of like held away but she was yeah. followed for sure but but Sansa Bronn and the Hound have mm-hmm. been my two three of them returned characters. this episode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not that Bron was in danger. He was only of gone. Yeah, being out of the show, but we hadn't seen him for the whole first six episodes. Wait, have we not? Yeah, we hadn't seen him at all. We, this was the first time we've seen him all season. I guess, I guess so. I felt like yeah. we had, but I guess not. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we just knew he was coming. He was in the preseason trailers, yeah. and obviously he wasn't dead. You know, there was no reason to think he was gone. Yeah. But and he was mentioned last episode. Remember, Jamie's like, "I'm gonna get Bron. I'm gonna get, get all the sack of gold. Big sack yeah. of gold. Yeah, all that." But. Anyway, I'm excited about him being back because I like his character, but I'm frustrated because I feel like they're taking back a death. I feel like they showed us a character die, and I think it wouldn't be far from Stannis coming back. You know what I mean? Like, I remember at the end of last season wondering if Stannis was dead. They didn't make it clear whether or not he was killed, so I thought he might be back. (laughs) I thought they made it clear that he was dead. I think there were people that were guessing that maybe he wasn't because they wanted him to be alive, and they didn't actually see it. They didn't actually see, like, his head chopped off. Right. And Brienne's sword swung down. So you're, like, acting like, wait, did did she just decide to chop the tree instead? Come on. That's really, really thin. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can see where you're coming from. But you see how similar it is to the Hound. You know what I mean? Like, he's left for dead. He's taken mortal wounds. It seems like they want us to show... Well, no... Show wants us to believe that he's dead. Okay, I don't. I don't really think it's that similar, but we don't have to yeah. argue about it. And it is also <laughs> it is also noteworthy that Arya specifically didn't finish him off. Yeah, you know, absolutely. So, and whereas uh, Brienne did finish finish uh, Stannis off, as though she was finishing him off. Um, yeah, I especially at this point do expect that Stannis is dead. Um, like certainly, you know, but uh, yeah. but uh, you got to keep in mind. I also didn't ever even make any more hints or allusions to the potential of the hound. It's like really out of nowhere to me. And it's uh, as excited as I am for his character to be part of the show again. I'm still frustrated. I still feel like I still can't feel like they took it back. And I could try to equate it in my mind in ways like punch fighting never does the injuries that it shouldn't TVs or movies or almost anything. And it's maybe even I, I was maybe stretching a little bit here, but it, it was interesting still how my gears got churning thinking about the references that they made to religion. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. this brotherhood shows up and they're like, hey, the Lord of the Light. And uh, by the way, anyone out there who watched Deadwood hopefully (laughs) recognizes Swearingen. Yeah, that was great. We Uh, knew he was cast for the season that he'd only be in one episode. And when this episode was titled Broken Man, we were we knew it would be this one. <laughs> Which was a little extra pointed to see him kill, because he's such a great performer. I would have loved to see yeah. more of him in a show. Maybe he'll come back. <laughs> <laughs> he's just holding his breath. And <laughs> anyway, uh, he, he even says, you know, this Sept character even said, man, I don't even know what the real gods are. You know, there's something greater than us, but the Seven, Lord of Light, whatever. You know what I mean? Uh, I wonder if it's possible. He even tells Sandor... You have a reason. It's you know he's like oh because I'm a big tough motherfucker. He's like no 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 you have a destiny you know you have some destiny here. Mm-hmm. John had some destiny and was brought back by Melisandre who was barely even trying. You know she didn't even think it's gonna work. She brought him back. You know like borderline accidentally. I'm gonna say you know yeah. what I mean. Like, yeah. And that's how we saw it happen with Beric and Thoros also. It's, they were just yeah. like going through the motions of what they always do. And oh shit look we brought him back to life. I wonder if it's possible that this priest. So whatever his role might be called. He's a, a Septon. Yeah, Septon. Maybe he has the Lord of Light working through him. Maybe the Lord of Light and the Seven are the same. You know, like... It, it's, it's possible there's a magical explanation. Um, 
Or I'm, not, partly, I'm not sure. It's a, it, maybe as simple as destiny. You know, we wouldn't ever know. Like this character's dead, yeah. so we're not going to yeah. learn whether that's the case or not. But it's an interesting idea. I like the idea. I like the non-magical explanation. I like the fact that hate kept him alive, and because hate is very powerful, as as destructive as emotion it is, he is full of hate, full of anger, and that's that comes out in the scene how he's just relentlessly chopping wood, and even this, even the Septon. His name is Ray Septon Swearingen. <laughs> he. Talks about, I was like, never seen anyone chop wood like that. He's not just commenting on how strong he is. He's commenting on how relentless he is and how he's just, it's like, it's like therapy for him. He's just kind of working, him, he's tiring himself out every night, chopping this wood because he's got all this hate and anger in him. And it, it's kind of therapeutic in a sense. And apparently now he's going to go chop some heads. <laughs> so... There's some other thing, some other underlying themes in this episode. It's not just about Sandor's return. It's not just about the the sadness of seeing these you know peaceful people killed. You know, it's it's such a setup. We get this happy, the happiest music that's ever played in Game of Thrones. <laughs> it's all this like, oh, look at them. They're building anew. They're making a home. They're doing. He nods in approval at the building. He's like, yeah, this is going really well. We're just like. This is not going to go well. <laughs> I never for a second was like, yeah, this is, oh, look at this happy people. Like, no, I'm already prepared for these people to all die. And sure enough, they all died. But that's, I think that's the point, is that Westeros is still war-torn. It's still not peaceful. Justice, law, those things are still not around. You know, the yeah. King's Landing is in turmoil, even though there's not blood in the streets. Like, even though we thought maybe that would be what happens, there's no, the central authority is not strong right now. Here's here's another thing too that about this that is maybe a little confusing to me, noteworthy at least. I feel like the band uh, Brotherhood Without Banners. Yeah, I was gonna say the Band of Brothers, another great TV show <laughs> on uh, HBO. Yeah, uh, the Brotherhood Without Banners was um, generally being painted in a positive light. Yes, Arya was like upset, disappointed. When they sold Gendry. Mm -hmm. she, because she didn't expect that in the first place. It wasn't they, very noble and... They were yeah, formed in the of... first place for, you know, an honorable reason, right? To, like, protect the people, fight this villain, right? Yeah. And then it seemed like they were, for the most part, sticking to that mentality, right? Yeah. Kind of Robin Hoodish, if you will, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> then all of a sudden we get these guys who, you know, at best were kind of threatening to take their stuff. And then come and slaughter everyone. So yeah. it makes you wonder, like, what is the Brotherhood of Man? Are these guys really part of it? Are they trying to paint? Is it possible that they're actually, you know, Lannisters, pretend to be Brotherhood Without Banners to make the Brotherhood Without Banners look bad? Does that make sense? Is that a possibility? Uh, is it possible the Brotherhood so. Without Banners is fractured into different groups and some of them are that more believe. militant or more desperate? Or <clears throat> that more, I believe, yeah. Would be more behind the it's Lord the of Light, idea of broken there? men is that they are desperate and they have no like yeah. they've turned to do, they have to do awful things just to survive you know and the more awful things you do the easier it is to do more awful things because you are used to doing them you become used to yeah. be, doing these awful things and Sandor is kind of going the opposite direction if these broken men are these brotherhood without banners are have become it's kind of it's like a flipping Sandor is kind of become a good guy you know gradually became a good guy he moved away from being a killer although he's clearly going back to it um whereas these men were good but over time they became bad because justice never returned to the land they couldn't go back to do being good guys it's just they're continuing to live in this state of desperation of trying of like barely surviving of like not knowing where the next meal is coming from which turns you you know 
like the Septon said, they are they were worse than animals. They're not true to their nature anymore. You know, they've because because of this lifestyle, this this being having to do dark things so often just to survive, well, they started to become there, part of that darkness. Well, there could be more to it too. It's funny the words you're using there, because this whole time I'm waiting to say, well, maybe they're not necessarily desperate and doing dark, terrible things. Maybe partly, but maybe they are following the Lord of Light, and they have this bigger mission in mind. Does that make sense? And the the lives of these individual people don't matter as much as you know. They were talking about it. It didn't seem like when we saw the Brotherhood before that they were all bought into the religion of the Lord of Light. They were just Brother All Banners, and then we got this priest guy. You know what I mean? But these guys seemed to to make a point of it. You know what I mean? And they're coming up against people who are worshiping the Seven. Maybe this wasn't purely, you know turn dark marauding maybe this is part of a, a bigger your resources are more valuable to us you're worshiping wrong god we're worshiping right god we're taking your stuff i you suppose know? we'll find out although i ha i do disagree that they were weren't bought into it before i think they were very bought into it before and it's because they witnessed a miracle yeah, yeah. they saw someone raised from the dead multiple times and that you know like it's hard in a superstitious society you can't not that can't not have huge impact on you you know, some of them may still believe in the seven, but Lord of the Light, Lord of Light is the God that's actually shown real power. Yeah. And so that's why they worship him. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. You, it's an interesting point. What, where, why they've turned bad. We definitely don't know for sure. Or if all of them have, or just those Right. Guys it could or... be fractures. Like we've, we hear, we hear from Walder Frey that the common folk, or rather from either Lame Lothar Frey or Black Walder, that the common folk have been raised by the Brotherhood, and they're attacking their supply trains and things like that. Yeah. So, Which is part of what I made, made me feel like they were being painted in a positive light. Right. But maybe not necessarily. You know, I, you can maybe imagine... It's easy to imagine an army with a good cause, yeah. or, or with a bad cause doing a good thing, or incidentally doing something. Right. Bad. Attacking the phrase by your, by itself doesn't make them good guys. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if they're attacking the phrase to, to like, ride and restore the Tullys, that's one thing. But right now, all we know is they're attacking the phrase. <laughs> Raiding their supply lines. Well, yeah. that just they're just taking Say food, Stannis, you know? like theoretically, if Stannis had beat the Boltons, right? If the yeah. battle had happened and he took that thing. Here's How's the story go? Depends on who's telling it, right? Uh, Stannis defeated the despicable Boltons, or Stannis burned his own daughter. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, he did both those things, and different people on his side are going to talk about one thing, and people on the other side are going to talk about the other. So That's true. Um, we And we get his raised speech where he reveals that uh, he, he Sandor acts like he doesn't understand, and then Ray's like, tells him his story. He's like, okay, I guess you do understand what it's like to be yeah. ordered to do awful things. Because, I mean, Sandor was right-hand man to Joffrey and, you know, had to do all the things Joffrey wanted, such as kill young Micah in, you know, episode two or three, whenever that was, back in season one, long time ago. So this kind of thing, it's, it's, there's a big, strong parallel there where those two have a lot in common, except that Sandor is obviously far more ferocious and larger and <laughs> seemingly more capable of dealing out damage and this whole idea he there's an interesting throwback to the brother without banners in that scene he points out god's not done with me you know the guys aren't done with you yet and he's like i've heard someone else say that and he's talking about barrack yeah. the gods weren't done yeah. with barrack either and he's like yeah that didn't he's like that didn't work out so well <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so what does this lead to you know he's going to be going against the brotherhood himself we know sandor is now opposed to them that's that's not going to i don't think that's i don't think there's anything that's going to change that but looking farther ahead i'm curious what's going to happen when the person being cast as the messiah of the of the Reloris religion of the Red priestesses and red priests is Danny right now. Right. And when she comes to Westeros, if the Brotherhood Without Banner is still around, 
Are they going to try to join her or submit to her? And is she going to be like, you people are awful. You know, I don't want you <laughs> or, or what. You know, that's it's something that they may not really address ever. But that, it doesn't seem like season six is going to be able to cover that. That seems like I mean, Danny probably won't even be. If Danny does get to Westeros this season, it'll probably be like right at the end. We see her landing. I'm kind of of the belief that we'll see her leaving for Westeros right at the end. And maybe she gets there the beginning of next season. So we wouldn't be dealing with this yet until next season, if at all. But it's interesting to think about, like, this kind of stuff done in the name of a religion that she's the savior of or the messiah of. And it's just she would not be cool with this at well, all. Well, she might not be cool with other things. She might get back to Marine and find things there happening she's not cool with. You're her. right. You're totally uh, right, yeah. Uh, it also does show, like, it is kind of reinforcing the, the conflict and presence of the different religions in general. You know, we see the, the seven being a focus... And King's Landing. Yeah. And then when you see the seven outside King's Landing, there's, at least in this spot, at this moment, there's a threat to it from the Brotherhood. Yeah. Uh, it, it, I, it's, I feel like it could go, there's so much to draw from this, so many things to think about where they're going and what this could mean. I don't know how there's enough time for it. It's almost, <laughs> yeah. I feel like this could have been like the first episode of the whole series could have been they could they could start from this episode and go for three seasons you know uh, <laughs> that's true i wonder yeah and so what is next for sandor obviously going after the brotherhood is we know that much but what about after that is he gonna end up fighting his brother that would be sort of a like a nice tie up things together if he ends up fighting the mountain stopping this rampage that the mountain seems to be prepared to go on at some point or are we going to see something like him go to the Riverlands and reacquaint with Brienne or Jamie? Or I mean, he's, he's yeah, going to the Riverlands like, where the Brotherhood are. He's going to yeah. be in the same realm as the Blackfish and Brienne and Jamie and Edmure and the Freys and all this. So there's a lot of ways he can get mixed up with that. He could even end up going north. If he goes to Brienne, he could end up going to the north and reacquainting with, with Sansa. You know, or he could stick around and Arya is, you know, we have plenty to say about Arya, but... Assuming she gets out of Bravos, she'll come back to Westeros. Maybe she, you know, I guess the Sandor Arya thing's been done before, but you know, maybe that's even a possibility. Yeah, I see a lot. A lot of things fit really well. You know, like it really fits well for him to go and fight. A the lot mountain. of things do. It really fits well for him this, to go meet right. up with Sansa. But know? I don't know how there's time for it. Like Cersei's yeah, trial's got to be pending. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, that was one thought I had. Like, oh, I was trying to think, what could the matchup be? Who's the mountain going to fight in his trial by combat? And Loras is my best guess. Yeah, I can't. It doesn't seem like they're going to create some whole new character just for this to, we wouldn't care about the character there's not enough time for it so who from the past could it be it's Lord's all I can come up with well if the hound's back in the mix he's a potential but how quickly is he going to get back to King's Landing yeah why and, would he go to King's Landing right what's going to bring him there like even if he decided right at that moment in that scene he's like I gotta go tell the king <laughs> you know that yeah. you know, like uh, how quick will he get there and when he shows up He's also not ready to fight the mountain, man. He doesn't. He's not. He's still limping. He's still, you know, like the mountain is. They've made a point many times. Stronger than ever. Mm -hmm. Sandor, you gotta feel like is weaker than ever. You know, so maybe not weaker than ever. I mean, I think I think that we've gotten past his weak point. I think they showed that he was fully healthy. They showed him carrying that whole tree by himself. True. That showed is true. him just relentlessly yeah. chopping wood. I think he's recovered. I mean, maybe it's maybe it's unrealistic that he's recovered so much. But that is how he's been shown. But physically covered is separate from being toply. Oh, but uh, he'll have practice. Top of against, your form, you know. Your he'll have practice killing some brothers without banners. He'll, there, get, he'll, yeah. he'll get. He'll shake the rust yeah. off. <laughs> <laughs> so never fear. And in the mountain, the mountain will 
deal out some whippings in the meantime and a little setup there'll be like maybe a freight train heading towards each other but if that's how it goes because as much as that would fit like i said there's other things that would fit really well too and it yeah. might be a little too perfect on the other hand if she, if the mountain is sort of like this against the faith you know cersei is kind of fighting against the faith well sandor was just kind of has reason to have some alliance with the or some some loyalty to the faith now that this this good septon guy you know helped him out and, and brought him back and the king died for is, it. the king's guard is a short one they are and this one and, and mountain is the one who's not wearing a seven pointed star unlike these other king's guard so but the hound could be a he new could king's right guard, he could right? be a king's guard and he would would wear the seven pointed star at yeah. this point i think that would be neat if he went from Joffrey's sword and sword to Tommen's, you know, like the the bad king Lannister versus the good king Lannister. <laughs> I don't think it would save Tommen. I still think he's doomed, but... <laughs> Baratheon, King Baratheon. I'm sorry, King Baratheon, <laughs> yes, but so is Joffrey, yes. They were both, they were both Baratheon Lannisters. <laughs> so, I guess that's it for that plot line we've talked about, what it sets up and where it might be going. Really, we're going to have to be waiting on it. As usual, we'll have more to say about certain plot lines in our trailer discussion for episode eight there were some i won't say any what but there are some scenes involving sandor or at least a scene involving sandor in the trailer so we can at least discuss that briefly it is worth noting by the way that open and closed with sandor plus yeah. a scene in the middle like uh absolutely which is a good segue to how many there were a lot of things not in this episode there was still no Ramsey. That's the two episodes in a row without Ramsey. You wonder what he's up to. It's kind of been biding his time, which doesn't seem like something Ramsey would do. He's not patient. So uh, I'm a little confused as to how he's just letting these people run around the north, gather up support while he seems to be sitting there. He hasn't even touched Rick on yet, for all we know. But I'm sure they'll circle back to him, and we'll find out what he's been up to. And we also see no no Bran, no Benjen. Which, by the way, comment on that. Some some people gave some feedback on, for example, Benjen's weapon, which someone explained it better. I, again, someone had posted the name of that weapon, and I, I meant to write that down and forgot to. Very interestingly, it, it was it seemed like he was switching weapons during there, but he wasn't. It's a one weapon with a chain on both ends. One end of the chain was the ball and chain with the flame, and the other was the sickle side. So it was really just left side versus right side, and he was... Left side was a sickle, right side, well, maybe I have the sides reversed. But that's why it seemed like he was doing a bunch of different weapons. But it was really just one weapon with two different ends separated by a long chain. So that explains that. Um, there's some other, we, we actually got a lot of good feedback over the last few weeks, as we have been. You guys have been great catching our mistakes. Not too many of them, but <laughs> we do make the occasional mistake or miss something. And you guys have been awesome making sure that those things don't slip through the cracks and I think a lot of those, we'll be announcing a few more of those during the Book to Show episode. There's a lot of good things thrown in there, but we weren't able to include them all in this episode. This time, as always, there's just always just so much to cover. So, let us go on. Let's start, let's talk about the North for a minute. There's less to say about the North in general. There's These, these scenes were really cool. There's some awesome shots of Mormont. Castle looked really cool. I think this season may have ha may have the best scenery so far, and this show has great scenery all overall in general. So that's saying something. But yeah, that, that, I wish we'd seen more of it. Right? Yeah, I was gonna say yeah, it was like barely a second long of yeah. this cool image. Really cool something looking that's castle. Maybe I don't know if built up to is quite the right word, but you know we've had Mormont characters throughout and references to them, and uh, neat to see this. And they just barely showed it to us. <laughs> yeah, isn't that neat? We find after all this time, we see the home castle of Gior and Jorah. And like we like like she said, Lyanna Mormont's her name. She said her mother died fighting with Rob Stark. 
And we did see her words before. This is, we haven't seen her on screen before, but we did see her words. She sent that letter to Stannis as I know only, you know, only one, you know, my, the king of the north is Stark, etc. That was great. Seeing her on screen. I mean, is this not the baddest ass 10 year old girl ever on <laughs> yeah. screen on TV? I mean, damn, she was awesome. This actress who nailed it so good. Like, so in control, even her maester should stop, you know, <laughs> doesn't break eye contact, just looks everyone in the eyes, super in charge. Sansa's like, John, they just don't know what to say. They look at each other like, damn, what do, what do you say to this girl? By the way, I had, a, I had kind of a swirl of thoughts about this. It's not the first time we've seen a very young person in this position. Bran was just like this, right? Yeah. And I think that on a certain level, I wonder how much this girl... If that's her natural personality versus how much she decided or maybe was instructed that you have to be over the top stern. You're not going to be accepted. You're young and you're a girl. You really have to lay down the law and be assertive and know your stuff, et cetera, et cetera. You know? Yeah. And Bran on some level, like I feel like Bran didn't do as good a job at that. Now, he doesn't have to because he's a boy. Yeah. But he also does have to because he's crippled. You know what I mean? And I think that... That's uh, a good point. Yeah. You, you could... You could see that... She has to be this person. Right. You could see that with Bran, Maester Lewin was still really controlling things. Yeah. Does that make sense? <laughs> but that girl was really controlling things. Yeah, the Maester was giving <laughs> advice, and she, if she didn't, you know, she would either listen to it or not at her discretion. Yeah. She would decide when to ask for advice. He never just, like, butted in and spoke up, which Lewin would do. Yeah. Know? Yeah, the Maester's, like, leans in and tries to whisper in her ear, but, he, yeah, he did not speak out out of turn. He yeah. only didn't hear a word he said, nor did, nor did her captain of guards. He couldn't hear what he said either. And yeah, so that was really good. It's there's not a lot to break down in the scene. It's just really cool. There's great acting. It's it's a moment of relief for John when she says, a moment of relief for all of them. But John's the one whose face we see when she decides to commit. Interestingly, I didn't I didn't catch this till my third watch of the of the episode when in the later scene when Sansa finally writes her letter, presumably to Littlefinger, saying, "Okay, we do need your help. After all, we're gonna we're gonna need your help. We don't have enough men." I thought she was writing her, her pen pal, her secret admirer, you think? <laughs> she looks over at the ravens to say, okay, I guess I'm going to have to send a raven. Lyanna Mormont's standing right there. Yeah, yeah. I, I hadn't caught that. So she's with the, she's in the campaign. Which the is, maester also. That was there, that. yeah. That was, I didn't realize that was the same maester, but it was. Yeah, you're right. That, that, it, then it all kind of came together at that point, but it was like, oh, that's that same maester. Yeah. So, but that, that's really neat. Um, so she's there. I wonder if, um, which, which means that we may not have seen the last of her. I could easily see that being her only little bit on the show. She stays there at her castle. Gets news of what happens. We never see it again. But maybe we have not seen the last of Lyanna Mormont. That'd be cool. Get a few more lines in from her. That'd be nice. So we see we see a nice uh, dichotomy. They're, they support. They're talked into it. But the Glovers aren't talked into it. Um, he he kind of cuts them off before they can go through their whole spiel. It's unclear whether they even mentioned the White Walkers to him. Yeah, I, I was going to say that I don't... A couple things. One, I think one thing we see, if you will, uh, with at the Mormonts yeah. is... The different arguments they have to make. Yeah. And Davos finally makes the one that works, or in conjunction with the others. Maybe she was going to do it anyway, but just wanted to test them or whatever, you know. Yeah. But uh, with Glover, we kind of start off with him saying, I've heard enough. So we don't know what they might have already gone through. Right, exactly. We can't assume what's been said. And they just weren't convincing him because clearly he was kind of taking it more personally. Yeah, he was mad. Uh, <laughs> and um, 
with more frustration or whatever, like, uh, you know, he did not, he really hated Rob's decision. He was bitter about yeah. Rob. He was, Rob's marriage is really, and he was more of a witness to it also. Yeah. Right. His brother so, was anyway. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and by the way, I, I point that out many times, like, oh, it's, there's, it's, it's a lot of this stuff is somewhat inevitable. Yeah. And a lot of times there's a tendency to find this one moment or blame this one person, but really it was this, whole movement of things that was occurring and that this one person, if they hadn't been there, someone else was going to do it or whatever, you know. But Rob really did mess up marrying that girl. That really did cause a lot. I don't uh, I don't know if they necessarily would have the, the happiest, friendliest, best relationship with uh, the phrase, you know. But they certainly wouldn't have been all slaughtered. The phrase wouldn't have been coordinated with Lannisters. They certainly wouldn't For have sure. lost Riverland. <laughs> they, you know, For there's sure. so many things. It's a good. It's a good reason to side with the Boltons over. It's like, yeah, look, yeah. I'm, like, look. First of all, it looks hopeless. Second of all, the whole wildlife thing is really disgusting for some of the Northerners. And like, if that Umber was lying to Rick to to Ramsay or not, he wasn't lying about hating wildlings, you know. Yeah. And. It's a tough sell, too. Yeah, he's like, the Starks are dead, y'all. You know, you guys are gone. You know, you don't have your castle. And, yeah, and there's the bitterness. It's like, your king did the dumbest thing. Like, he was super selfish. Like, he was thinking with his penis and not <laughs> thinking, you know, with about what really mattered, which was the lives of his followers and his kingdom. And that's a really good reason yeah. to hate the Starks, yeah. <laughs> you know, or at least to hate that Stark. Even and, if you... uh the beheading of uh, the car Stark. You yeah, know, I, I I feel like that was on some level at least justified. It made sense. He it may not have been uh, expe politically expedient, but it yeah right. It, like I think he might lose as much by not doing that as doing that. Does that make sense? Like by not doing it, people won't respect the law or won't fear his command or won't have as much loyalty. It, it, it's it's that yeah. was a troubling decision. rock and hard place. Yeah, right. But the th but marrying the other girl after making the vow, like it makes it harder to, to chop his head off because he's you've already broke your vow. How are you going to mm -hmm. chop someone else's head off for chop for breaking their I'm vow? I'm above the law. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Basically, it was really yeah. It's it's really sits badly with a lot of people. I mean, you see that here because that Glover, this this actor, did a really good job. He was could see how angry he was. You could see how bitter he was. And yeah. you could see how he's like, don't tell me what my duties are. You know, we did our duty and your king didn't do his duty. He screwed us. Like, I was loyal and everything went bad because of his decisions. You now, know? it's also noteworthy. Remember when they were having a meeting earlier on and Sansa's like, well... The North has loyalty. You don't know the North like I know the North. <laughs> we should go talk to these other houses. And, and all this is in her, like, not wanting to contact Littlefinger, right? Yeah. And so then here we see her kind of, you know, Davos is like, look, the more, you know, I know men. You might know the North, but <laughs> have they been loyal so far? I think about what's going on. Yeah, Davos is right. And, <laughs> and so it went, with, we see Sansa's the one that it makes the appeal to loyalty. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't even, like, kind of swam, but no, not after all. It almost makes him extra angry. Yeah, right? it's like how dare and you bring so, that up because it's that is that is a sore spot. Yeah, you know, and that's not that's not like they, she needs to she needs to win them over, not demand their loyalty. And, and her attempt at loyalty to Liana also the response was like, "What? He's a Snow, and you're a Bolton. What are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, what's Starks? So yeah, exactly. I think she's realized that's part of what's like pushing. It's not just that they don't have enough men. She's the She's seen that they're not gonna get yeah. enough men. She's seen the loyalty she thought was there is not there after all. So. It's shades of her father, they who expects people to do their duty, expects yeah. people to be honorable, and no, it's not that simple. There's more to it. She's learning that, and it's it's it makes sense that she wouldn't know these things. You know, she's yeah. she's still young. She she's just now in this position of command, 
And I, th I think she's learning quickly, but that is some, you know, a bit more of the wool needs to be pulled off of her eyes. And that's, you know. And that's also something that's, uh, that's been said before. It's, it's kind of, I don't know how to say it, it's a, a generic concept, cliche-ish statement or whatever. But yeah. um, you do kind of see it happening here that uh, your, your morals don't matter very much when you're at home watching TV. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like your, your, your pledge of loyalty doesn't matter very much when you're just your people attending the front when there's peace and everything's fine, everything's happy. But when shit really hits a fan and now it's time to pony up, that's the time you really find out how loyal people are. That's true. And, uh, you know, here, here it is. This is tough times. And some, some people are loyal, but not everyone. And, yeah. and Sansa's is learning that. They, and in this case, they have good reasons not to be loyal too. It's not just like, nah, and it's like, nah, we're not going to fulfill our vows. No, it's like they have good reasons. Yeah. 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 And, and it has a lot to do with the vows that the Starks, that Rob didn't fulfill. For you example. also have to earn the loyalty. Yeah. yeah. Right. There's Sansa, like the, the argument that Sansa isn't, you know, necessarily a Stark is, is, you know, from our perspective, she clearly is, but, but they don't know that. They don't know, yeah. you know, where her loyalties, you know, if she's really got some Lannister sympathy or Bolton sympathy or something like that. It's really not clear to them. And how would they know? You know, they're, they're all isolated in their little corners of the North. And the information they get maybe isn't um, as, hey. as up to date or, uh, accurate as as some of the information as we as viewers have. Maybe they saw that play. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Okay. So, Sean, what are you drinking today? You have a little tan beverage, like a beige thing going on here. Milk of the poppy. <laughs> so you're you're not going to make it to the whole episode, huh? You're going to pass out. Milk of the poppy makes a Mountain Dew. <laughs> so I have a little caffeine. A little up. upper, a little yeah. down. <laughs> right on. Okay. Did you have any more on the north there? I thought that. One thing I was, I do have one thing actually myself now that I'm hearing myself ask the question. One thing I expected to see as the scene was being set up, it didn't happen. Because I guess it wasn't quite in that location. Maybe it was a little farther south. But when, when, when Davos pointed out Stannis had his camp at this spot, I thought maybe we were going to see evidence of Shireen's burning. And that Davos would yeah. maybe learn about this. I still wonder if that's going to happen. Melisandre hasn't been seen in any of these scenes either. Yeah. And But I think maybe on the further reflection, I think she was burned at the next camp, which was a little farther south, which we might, maybe we'll see that later. I don't, I don't know. But I, I still think that's I'm, a little thing dangling out there, a piece of information that could change, that could, that could have a big impact. I've been operating under the assumption that he knows, that, he, that he's found out. Right? Well, he knows that she's dead, I think. But he doesn't know that Melisandre did it. I don't think he has any way of knowing that. He may suspect it, but he doesn't know. It's that same thing like... Unless he knows for 100% certainty, he can't really act on it, you know. But if he finds well, like, out for act, sure... What would he do? What act would I really don't know. I really don't know. I mean, he tried to... He, he was willing to kill her once. True, true. Back in season two. But he did you also, know? you know, when when Brienne was confronting the two of them, even though they aren't necessarily aligned, but Brienne, to them, they're together. Yeah. And uh, his... The way he tried to calm Brienne down was, that's in a pass, you know. So if he can expect someone else to put in a pass and move on, maybe he expects that he can do that too. Now, easier perhaps, said than done. Perhaps. That's a pretty extreme thing, but uh, I think he can see where Brienne's coming from. Brienne killing uh, Stannis makes sense. Like it's it's it was her duty. She was sworn to Renly. Blah blah blah. Killing Shireen though, there's just I don't think that he can excuse that. I don't think that he thinks any reason. I don't know that he can think that there's any reason for that. That that was ever justified. Yeah. A lot of stuff would have to be explained to him, and it's yeah. still because of his personal connection might not think it's justified, but. He does know she has real power. He did see the the blood from Gendry make these predictions. And yeah. He saw the spirit be birthed. Like if Melis he can imagine Melisandre telling Stannis 
burn your daughter. She's got <laughs> King's blood. You know, win this battle and Stannis would have done it. You know, yeah, like yeah. He doesn't like that. He doesn't think it's justified, but it's he could understand it. He could put it within range of what happens. That makes yeah. sense, you know. We shall see. He he has he had more of an attachment to Shireen than anyone else, even more than Stannis. So I do. It's I hard. Have, it's, it's it could go either way. I have been sort of expecting a conflict to come from that, but I feel like they've gone far enough without it happening now. Like, it seems mm. like Melisandre is barely even in the show at this point. You know. So yeah. Right now she's kind of. In, I guess uh, in limbo. We're, we're not sure. Yeah. And maybe they're still waiting to tie things together. The, mm -hmm. They are bringing up the Lord of Light more often. You know, all That's over true. the place. Right. We saw it in Marine. We see it in the Riverlands, and so maybe. She will still become more tied into some bigger picture or web of connections or plotting or conflict yeah. or whatever. We also see, you know, we didn't talk about how the, them winning over the wildlings. I think that was more that was expected. I think, um, and it, what really turned the tide was was the how straightforward they are. Which which Tormund points straight up at the end. He's like, "Yeah, we're not clever like you Southerners. If we say we'll do it, we're going to do it. We're not trying to be tricky here." And also, it was pretty straightforward. Tormund says, "Look, if we don't help him, we're cowards," and they're all like. Huh. Oh yeah, you're right. Okay, we're in. It was pretty well, much. The, it, I mean, it was. It wasn't quite that simple, but that was yeah. the thing it that was, drove was, the point home. Right. Okay. The the one argument was that like, if you don't help us, you're gonna die anyway. You know. Which so was, you might which, as well help. Which us. is true, but that's not the way they think. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> They're like, well, maybe you know, we don't. Yeah. We could fight. You know. When, that wasn't. That didn't convince them, but it got them considering. Yeah, it moved. The and needle. then what convinced them was like, now that you're considering it. You also don't want to be a coward. You're like, yeah. uh, we don't deserve right. to be the last of the free folk if we're going to go down like yeah. cowards. Yeah. So that that really worked. And, and of course, 1-1, one, one, the giant being the first to join, they're like, all right, well, if the giant's coming along, all right. Yeah. <laughs> so we still have, we have that to look forward to, the giant in battle <laughs> again. That could be really fun. We've seen him a few times, and it's pretty cool when he fought at hard home. So I'd like to see him take out a few Boltons. I don't suppose he'll take out Ramsey himself, but <laughs> we can hope one one steps on Ramsey or something like that. That would be pretty cool. I'd be down for that. I would accept that fate for Ramsey. You know, kind of a, anything on the the behind the scenes they do with the show. They showed that that it's like a mix of special effects and real effects. That's yeah. really a seven foot four guy mm -hmm. in a costume that like adds. It, he was the mountain, even more. the second mountain. That same. Oh guy, yeah, the second actor okay. when he was the really tall guy in Heron Hall. Yeah, and the mountain was like extra tall and less wide. That's 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 who it, Ian White is his name with a Y, okay. not not Ian with a Y, but White with a Y. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that yeah, that's that's really cool. Yeah, there's a couple of these like behind the scenes guys that play multiple roles, like Ian White. The you know the giant and he's done. I think he's been a White Walker as well, and I'm not 100 sure on that. And of course, Vladimir Furtick was the stunt sword fighter. Who's Arthur Dane? He was also Night King and all this. So there's a couple of these. They have a couple of these like multi multi talented role players behind the scenes that aren't, aren't quite as well known, but they're What's kind of unsung heroes of of uh, Game of Thrones. Filming. Wasn't Tommen one of the Lannister cousins? Yeah, he was the, the one that was murdered killed. by Rickard. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Then they changed the casting and Yeah, they just yeah. recycled him. <laughs> it's too good of an actor to waste in a role with basically one line. <laughs> Plus he hit a growth spurt, so he looked different, you know. Yeah. It's not as much as Bran did or um but definitely uh, along those lines. Yeah, one last thing about the northern plot is the the infighting. We see the, some some northern soldiers kind of fighting with wildlings a little bit. I, I wasn't clear if it yeah. was northern soldiers fighting with wildlings, but that's what it seemed like it was. It might have been northern soldiers fighting with other northern soldiers. I thought there was northern soldiers fighting with other soldiers, but I'm not really sure. Yeah, in any case, it's 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 a good point to show. And John is like, look, we have, it's kind of why John is 
pushing for them to have the conflict as soon as possible. Because this army is not going to be easy to hold together. And I will say it was even a point that I made. It's just just because you get all these houses together doesn't mean they're under a central leadership. It doesn't mean yeah. that they're all uh, going to coordinate properly and be have the right equipment and everything else. This is True kinda, that. Yeah. Uh, Boltons are more united at this point. You know, the Bolton yeah. army is actually tighter at this point, um, which could work, which which has its advantages and disadvantages. But uh, we'll have to see. So that's exciting. We'll be moving on uh, to expecting to see some big resolution there. I wonder if we'll, what we'll see next episode, if we'll see what happens with Sansa's letter. It's funny that she, by delaying her bringing Littlefinger up, she may be making it worse because he's now going to be potentially the guy that gets extra acclaim for kind of coming in to save the day at the last yeah. minute or something like that. I'm not sure that's how it's going to go. I'm just kind of guessing. But that is kind of what he wants. He wants to be like, you know, look at us. We're heroic. You know, the Vale and the North together and I'm in charge and yeah, yeah. et cetera. Like comes like comes out looking really good. And the, only, and the only people and no one can speak out against that. It's like, no, he's actually really bad. He's scheming against us. Like he just saved our asses. What the hell are you talking about? They don't know him. They don't know Littlefinger. Yeah. Only like Sansa knows him. Like hardly anyone in the North is familiar with him at all. Yeah. It's really he's it's really set up nicely for him to come into this area where nobody realizes what a schemer he is, except for a few people who would have a hard time speaking out against him because he's kind of a hero. Or, yeah. I mean, assuming it goes that way. Maybe they just lose. <laughs> you know, maybe the yeah. Boltons win. Maybe Ramsey wins. It might, obviously, <laughs> it also might be hard to speak out against him just because of his uh, his position. Yeah. Right? He's the lord <laughs> of two houses, main big houses. It's hard to speak out against him without there being retribution, yeah, you know? it's true. But on the other hand, maybe Bronzion Royce is there, and he's like, "Look, this, you know, maybe they scheme to like under, you know, to to undermine Littlefinger a little bit." Well, I don't know. That doesn't seem like they have time for any of that. He doesn't seem like much of a schemer either. No, right? he doesn't. Yeah. He doesn't really. He seems like he was really. It showed that he was very out schemed by Littlefinger <laughs> in that moment. So let's move on. Let's go to let's go to River Run. There's a lot happening there. A lot of setup. Uh, the return of Bronn, which we saw, was very nice. Return of some of these phrases. We actually saw these phrases last episode, but a little, it's a little clearer who they are. We have Blackwalder's, the one who's kind of surly, speaking back to Jamie, get his, yeah. he got punched in the face. And Lame Lothar is the one with a limp that was like, Sir Jamie, you know, sorry, you know, yeah. <laughs> he's like the good fray, bad fray. More like stupid fray, less stupid fray. But they're really, yeah, there's really... I just want you to know that every every time, good fray, bad fray, I'm just a good McBoyle, bad McBoyle. <laughs> <laughs> so, see them as McBoyles. so there's some really cool shots in this. There are two particularly awesome shots. By the way, I missed it. I meant to say, in the northern scene, there was one really good show. When Davos is speaking about the dead are coming, the way the shot was, the camera work was cast, it was like light coming through the window and dark below it. It was a really nice dichotomy of light and dark on both sides yeah, of his yeah. head, which I thought it was a It wasn't really nice a touch. typical angle, yeah, it was a good, good yeah. shot. Yeah. And so in this one, there's the awesome scene of the Lannister army marching through with the, you know, from the valley overhead. That was really cool. And then the drawbridge coming down, yeah. the music and the gears churning. That was both, just Both great. from the, the above shot and from... Yeah, when it goes back up. over Jamie's shoulders, yeah. uh, we'll go oh, oh, down okay. by going back up too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was just really that was really ne really good, and the conversation was great. I mean, there wasn't any surprises in the conversation. Basically, Black he's like, "Why did you even talk to me?" He's like, "Sieges are boring, man. You know, like this is breaking up the monotony." Implies I wanted to get the measure of you, and he's like, "And now you did." And yeah, I'm disappointed. That's <laughs> a good chance to needle him a bit. I I don't I've I lost a notch of respect for the Blackfish. 
We don't know a whole lot about him in the first place, but generally he's speaking, he's been portrayed as like this kind of a badass character. Yeah, he's a legendary you know I mean? warrior, yeah. Right. Kind of up there with Barristan, but, but but alive still. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I feel like he was... I don't know, it's understandable that he would be in a dark place, you know what I mean? But he just showed no concern for Edmir. And I feel like on some level he might have some frustrations with Edmir, but he's still family. And even the things you might be frustrated with Edmir about are slightly unfair to be frustrated with him about. Like... He won that battle. Just they just didn't want that. They had some bigger plan that Emir messed up. By and he winning didn't. This and battle. He, well, and he didn't. But they follow didn't orders. tell him about the plan. That's it's true. Like, but know, he still didn't follow was, orders. Right. He but he did know. take initiative. You can imagine him not taking initiative, and getting in trouble. But you know, it's like yeah. he's damned if he does, damned if he doesn't. And so after he tries to take ownership for what everyone else said was a mistake, that I think that he thought was victorious. But okay, fine. I made a mistake. I'll suck it up. I'll pay for Rob's fuck up. I'll marry one of the Walter women. Well, that wasn't Rob's fuck up. I mean, it was partly partly because of Rob's fuck up. But yeah, it was it yeah. was his, they they both messed up. But here's the thing, Edmure's, I mean, Blackfish's point that he's dead no matter what happens is true. So he's right not to be not to bend or show any concern. For, it's like why should he show concern if he shows weakness there? Then that's playing into their hands. If he's decided Edmure's dead no matter what, which is what he says, and I agree with him, then what's else? What else is he going to do? I on one hand I agree with you, but I feel like he should have concern. And why would he show it though? I, I'm not saying he would it? show it, but I feel like the way we saw that, he doesn't actually have it. Well, why would, but yeah, but, but how would he have shown it? Who there's he, we never see a moment. Of him, been, we never see a moment of him speaking to somebody that's sympathetic. It's only him speaking to Jamie, you, it, and that's the one guy he's not going to show fear to. It could be on when he's on the ramparts looking down. You could just see him like sigh and look down. He doesn't have to say anything to anyone for the acting to come through, for the for the directing and the editing to show us that he's frustrated and disappointed with this. I think we did but see he, that. He didn't sigh, but he stared. He stared for a while and was just like, okay, do it. You know? Yeah. And it, it, he's not he, he, I think it makes sense. I think it makes perfect sense because he's not he's not gonna he's Again, he's not gonna break character. He's not gonna show yeah, weakness. It, it it's I'm not saying that it doesn't make sense. I'm just saying that I feel like he didn't really care. If they wanted me to feel that way, they should have done a better job. I feel like he really didn't care, which makes me respect him a little bit less. Hmm. Additionally, I feel like it's, I don't know how to say this, but it kind of a cheap shot. And again, it's like consistent through the show, but I always lose respect for people who give Jamie a hard time about being in a, uh, the Kingslayer. I feel like but Rob's they... a goddamn rebel. He, Rob, Robert, King Robert was leading this rebellion against the king. He wanted to kill the king. He, Ned wanted to kill the king. The, all these people. They had a good reason. Tywin they, wanted did, did they not have a good reason for rebelling? Did Jamie not have a good reason for killing the king? But nobody knows that. It's not common right. knowledge. Like, you can't hold somebody accountable for information they don't have. Well, except aside, like, Jamie happens to know he's, like, trying to burn all the king landing. But everyone did know that he burned... Uh, uh, Everybody knows name? that he broke an oath. That's what they um, know. That's the bottom line is that they no, broke an oath. No, what I'm saying is everyone Kingsley. knows that the King Ares was mad. Everyone knows he was. But they don't know he was going to burn. They don't know that he was going to burn King's Landing. Right, but I'm saying even without burning King's Landing, I still think it's justifiable to kill him. No, it's just not. Not by Westerosi ethics, ethical standards. It's not justified to break an oath. Nothing, almost nothing, is more important than your oath. That's why it's such a big deal. He broke his oath. He should have died with his king. That's that's what Barristan believes. That's what all his other Kingsguard believe. That's what the, the the knights at the Tower of Joy died at the Tower of Joy rather than bending the knee. That's the, that's Westerosi ethics. I I don't want to disagree with that, but what I'm saying is it it's there's a difference between him just having no honor and be like I'm fucking crazy. I'm gonna kill the king and being like ah, I have this oath, but also this king is so terrible. 
<sighs> but Blackfish knows none of this. Blackfish doesn't know any of this. Blackfish knows that he burned Ned Stark's dad and brother. He doesn't know that, but he doesn't know that Jamie had a good reason for killing Ares. All he knows is that That's he. Not a good what reason. it looked. It's not. It, it, it's it's a horrible reason. You can't you can't just go against the king for doing bad things. That destabilizes the entire realm. That defeats the purpose of having a monarch in the first place. I mean, it's not just doing a bad thing. He killed one of the lords of the land. He killed. Yeah, one it was of the... it was unjust, but that's not a re that's not a reason for House Tully to rebel. That's not a reason for House Tully to get involved. Why would the Black? I mean, sure, King Aerys did a bad thing. So did Jamie. They're both like that's that doesn't make it any better. And and again, putting yourself in the Blackfish's position, he doesn't know any of these things. He doesn't all from his perspective, Jamie waited till everything was bad, till it was the last second to kill Ares. If he was gonna fight against Ares, he did it in the least he did it in the least honorable way possible. He waited yeah. till the war was yeah. lost, and then he stabbed him in the back. <laughs> it's it's it doesn't look good. It does not look like he had no other choice. It looks like he was. It looked like he waited till it was convenient, until his oaths were inconvenient, and then he did the right thing. It, do, it just really doesn't look. That's why everybody hates Jamie because and it just Jamie doesn't also look good. never makes any effort to defend it. He never. Explains he does. It to he explains it to like, Brienne. Well, but he also knows that he can't. He also knows that like who's going to believe him? He can't, it's, yeah. it's his word against what everyone has believed for fifteen years. It's just it's it's pointless to bring up, you know. And also, like his father said. The lion doesn't concern itself with the opinions of the sheep. It's not important for yeah, him to, yeah. to, to tell people. But it's becoming important because Jamie was this arrogant, kind of cocksure dude for the longest time. And it's only now that he's lost his hand that he's starting to realize how important honor and other things are. But it's kind of too late because the realm perceives him as yeah. dishonorable. And this is proof of that is the blackfish isn't going to believe his words. Like, on my honor. He's like, what honor? You know, you're the kingslayer. That's his reputation. Yeah. Deserve it or not. That is the perception of him, and I don't think I don't. I wouldn't hold that against the Blackfish because that's the information he has. Anyway, um, he points out that they have two years of supplies, which is huge. And of course, Jamie he says, "Do you have two years, Kingslayer?" Jamie does not have two years. Yeah. <laughs> he definitely does not have two years. He needs to. He wants to get back to King's Landing. He wants to win the army's loyalty and establish himself as a great commander, so that. You know, phase the next phase of Lannister goals can be implemented. Whether he realizes or not, there might be zombies there in less than two years. Yeah, that part. Yeah, that's true. They don't have. They have no idea that's coming, or at least little idea that's coming. So okay, well, that was a good. That was a good debate we had there on uh, <laughs> on Ed Muir and and uh, Blackfish. But do we have any other things in this scene? We have you know Bronn rising up a little bit. I guess there's just some setup. Yeah, you wonder if uh, how much Jamie is stringing Bronn along if he really is good because. <laughs> I, and something that occurred to me is the Lannister always pays their debts within 20 years. Like, how long does he have? <laughs> yeah, what's the terms of this debt payment? <laughs> yeah, what are the payment plans here? Okay, so let's move on. Let's go to Arya, actually. This is this is a quicker one. And I think that... Maybe. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe, maybe. I think this is a quicker one. We'll see how it goes. I'm convinced that it wasn't Arya. There and here's why. First, I was it was puzzling because that seemed like a really nasty wound. It seemed like even given what we talked about about TV characters taking more punishment than most, that was a mortal wound to me. Uh, that stabbed in the belly. You don't survive that. You can survive long falls. You can survive compound fractures. You can survive infections. I mean, you don't always, but you can survive those. You do not survive being having your stomach pierced. In, in this society without magic or supernatural things. But some things just don't add up in this scene. For one thing, Arya's just walking around town like she's got no concerns at all. 
Her hair is different. Why would she bother with that? Her clothes are different. Why? And... Where'd she suddenly get a bunch of money? Yeah, where'd she get these sacks of money? The last we see her, she pulls out a needle and blows out the candle, and she's like, she knows she's in danger. She knows they're coming for her. And that's the big clue there. Where's Needle? Why doesn't she have Needle with her? Yeah, there might be some way to explain why she changed her hair, why she changed her clothes, even where she got the money. But she did all those things and also doesn't have any... And also is wandering around a public... Here's another thought I had, too. In the open, just, like, not trying to be concealed at all, like, talking to dudes, just, yeah. And, and, right, not just her her physical... Presence, you know, yeah. she's not like hiding in the shadows or sneaking around, she's walking around. It didn't really seem like the way she'd be walking around, like you're at her hands behind her. First, she liked her hands behind her back. She, right, she had too much uh, sort of confidence, arrogance, even almost out of character, too. The way she gets the, the boat, she's like, I want a cabin. Yeah, Arya wants a cabin. She doesn't care about a cabin. <laughs> Does she? Like, remember yeah. when she was trying to get get on the boat the first time? Yeah, she time just wants to get the hell out of there. Yeah. Right. It's, <laughs> Incognito, really. Yeah, yeah, I think she was showing the money off, talking to those guys, trying to change her schedule, causes commotion, too. You know, she's almost everything she was doing was actively drawing attention to herself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I agree. It was too, it was just she wanted to be seen. And my first thought was that, okay, she got fake blood from the theater troupe or something like that. But seeing it again, boy, that knife was just in there. Yeah. Twisted. It was twisted. They made a point, zoomed the camera in to show that. That was in her. That was not fake. I I just, (laughs) you know, I think that wound is as survivable as what Sandor got. Mm. Although, I still think you would need... One, you have to get lucky that that pierce, like, just went... Didn't actually pierce any vital organs. Which is almost impossible, uh, especially given that the waif is supposed to be an assassin. But maybe she was trying to make her suffer. Maybe I think she, she was, was trying to make her suffer. And so yes. she specifically didn't hit. That a is where you organ, stab somebody. That right? that's, that's the place you stab somebody to, if you want them to die slowly. Yeah, but yeah, but to survive it, you do need. You're going to need a blood transfusion, and you're probably going to need surgery. You know, you yep. might need things that something. don't exist. Right, and, <laughs> and also. Even if you could survive it, even if you could survive it without surgery, you can't go swimming. You can't go swimming. <laughs> Have you ever done like a stomach workout? It's and just painful. Done, like, yeah. kicks and stuff, and the next day you're sore. Can you imagine going swimming the next day after all yeah. that? Like, it's. Uh... I've seen theories that she was trying to draw the she Arya herself was trying to draw the waif out, and that's why she left Needle to draw her out. But that wouldn't that doesn't make sense to me because the neat waif owned her completely weaponless already when Arya had a weapon. Yeah. Staff versus no staff. Waif just totally took her down. So I don't think Arya needs to make herself look any weaker to draw the Waif out. The Waif badly, badly wants to kill her. I don't yeah. think she needed any tempting. So the, the, I think the biggest thing for me was, it was I was wondering about the hair. I was wondering about the clothing and then it dawned on me. The lack of needles like, no, that's just not Arya. And if you're wondering if it's possible for someone to have Arya's face without actually cutting her face off, well, we've already seen that. Last season, yeah. Jaken, Jaken, whatever your preferred pronunciation, pretended to die, but he drank the poison. And Arya was screaming, no, you know, it shouldn't be you. And then, then another, you know, real Jaken, I guess, appears behind her. So there's multiple Jakens there. And then one of the, and they're pulling all the mini faces off of the dead body. And one of them was Arya's face. Yeah. So this has already been established as possible. So, and also, let's be honest. Come on. We did not just spend all this time with Arya by <laughs> herself, all by herself, with no other attachment to pretty much any other plot line, just to have her die at the last second before she comes back to Westeros. Sorry, I just don't, I'm not buying it. That was part of why I was suspicious. It was like, no, 
that more that wound is too nasty. If if she's saved from it somehow, it'll have to take magic. And and who? We just the fact is we just don't have another enough characters in Bravos. What's she gonna do? Go to the play? Like one of those actors is gonna save her? It's that or Jaken. And Jaken, like we've never seen any evidence that Jaken has some sort of healing magic. Uh, so I guess he's. But does He's that mean Jaken is dead? You think Jaken is dead? This is the problem with it, is that now Jaken has sacrificed himself, apparently. Which is, I mean, he's a member of a weird death cult. I guess that can be explained. It's more, it, it's a little more believable than than, our, than than the other options, I think. So yeah, there's there's problems with all these theories, but I, that one to me fits the best. There is also the factor that uh, the Waif is still out there, right? Yes, so like, RM may still be in trouble if she mm-hmm. doesn't reappear, or... Uh... So there are... Maybe the wave is in trouble. Yeah. (laughs) So I would say that when we get to our trailer discussion at the end of this episode, there are some shots of Bravo, so we do have more to say on this. We won't say what, of course. We'll save those spoilers for the end, but there is more to say on this. Unless you have more to talk about with Arya and Bravo, we'll move on and come back to that with those trailer tidbits. So, good time for our short break. We'll be back to discuss the rest of the plot lines. There's still several things left to go, several important moments, which we'll get to in a minute. All right, let's take care of the Ironborn. This is this is pretty short. There's another uh, as one of the themes of this episode. Broken men is that that they're becoming kind of unbroken or killed in the case of <laughs> of, of Ian McShane. And we see the broken men that following R'hllor. We see Sandor, who's kind of broken and coming back. And we see Theon in this stage, broken and kind of coming back. He gets that steel in his eyes again. And I know you had mixed feelings about this scene. Um, I do too, but I think it accomplished what it set out to accomplish, which is Theon, in order for Theon to regain his identity, he's kind of got to behave like an ironborn. That's He's, he's gone home, and he's, he's going to rejoin his culture. Well, he's going to have to behave like his culture, as, as sophomoric... As and brutal as his culture is, if he's going to be part of them again, he's going to have to drink with them and be Ironborn, whatever you know what that is. Which is you know they're kind of a Viking culture. They're kind of they're not sophisticated. They're they're yeah. a you know a seafaring, hard drinking, hard fighting culture. And and he's like she's like look if you're not going to be one of us, then kill yourself. You know, but if you are, drink up and be one of us. You know, and so. I think it works. It's not the most satisfying scene, but I think it works. And I liked Theon's facial acting. I thought that was a nice moment of him kind of coming back, looking at her and like, yeah, all right. Theon's back, maybe. Yarath, by the way, their name is a bit of a pun. It's Yara and Theon, so they're together. They're Yarathion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, generally, I thought the scene was good, uh, but I was still kind of just frustrated with the characters. I just... Uh, I just feel like, I don't know if this is quite fair, but it's kind of like a bunch of college bros got drunk every week, you know, man. <laughs> and one of them got in a terrible car wreck and like, kind of went through this life-changing experience, kind of reevaluating who he is and what he's supposed to do with his life. And then he links up with his old buddies, like, hey, bro, what's up, man? Let's go get drunk. And he's like, I don't know if I want to get drunk, man. I kind of reevaluate. Dude, just drink it, man. I'm like, <laughs> I just don't like that mentality. I just don't like to answer your problems being alcohol. I don't like this, you know encouraging Theon to, I don't know, be something he's not. or He doesn't even know what he is. And and it makes sense for Yara to behave this way. Maybe he does need to man up, whatever the fuck that means, and, like, be a warrior again. But why can't he be a... Uh, why can't he still be a good warrior and a good leader, 
but not be chauvinistic and not be alcoholic? Can't he can't he be stern and stoic and and thoughtful? Can he come up with a good plan and fight and train and not just be a wild party animal? You know, well, there the problem with that is that the problem is with that is that the culture wouldn't accept him. You can't if he's yeah. if he's a progressive leader and trying to do these things that the Ironborn don't do. They won't necessarily follow him. That's that's just the that's the problem with that kind of thinking. Like Asha already showed that 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 that's what she was pr- pr- proposing at the King's Moot. She was saying, "Look, we just keep losing. We can't keep doing things the way we've been doing them. It, it doesn't work. We have to try new things." And they weren't buying it. They just weren't buying it. Euron's meth. Euron's, you know, talk was just work better. They liked his plans better. They liked, you know, let's go kill people. Let's let's dominate. That's that's what they wanted to hear. So it's you know, yeah. Maybe that is, that is, you know, it's just, it's a thing about their culture. It's not the most, uh, like I, I keep using the word sophisticated, you know, it's, it, it is a little broy, I suppose, but that's, that's who he, that's, that is, you know, that is the culture he comes from and they're not going to follow him unless he's at least kind of like them. Like Yara kind of gets it. She's, she's, she wanted to change them and she still has people following them. Like you you made a good point there because Yara is different and they still follow her. Even though she's a woman and they're yeah. a very patriarchal society. Clearly, quite a few of them followed her. Even though Euron won the King's Moot, they still were willing to go against their new king and go with her and with Theon. So that does say a lot about how much she's a leader. But she is one of them. She acts yeah. like one of them. She behaves like one of them. She's a hard drinker, hard fighter, and all those things. He's going to have to at least compromise. He's going to have to at least be... Maybe he doesn't have to go all the way. Like the truth might be somewhere in between, or the soft spot, the uh, sweet, spot. the sweet spot. Yeah, yeah not the yeah, soft spot. Yeah, maybe he doesn't necessarily have to be a a drunk, murderous bro, but he also doesn't have to like mope around all the time. Right, that's not. But gonna, she yeah, took him no to a horror house when he <laughs> doesn't have his man parts anymore. She think he's gonna be all cheery about that? Like, <laughs> yeah, it seems it, like she could have said, "Look, we got to get the crew laid before we go on this mission. I know that's gonna be hard on you." Why don't you go get some supplies? Why don't you search out some contacts? You know what I mean? She, but she it's almost like she's oblivious to what she's doing to him. And then when she starts to realize what she's doing to him, her response is, man up, bro, drink. You know, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Just, I she did apologize, but yeah. she's like, but look, yeah, I shouldn't be this mean on, mean to you, but you're going to have to snap out of it, you know? Yeah. I shouldn't say what I'm saying, but you can't be like this. You know, it's just like, I want to root for she didn't y'all. know what to say. She's not good at that sort right, of thing. Right, right, You know, right. their culture isn't good at that sort of thing. They're not good at you know, figuring out ways to cheer people up. You know, it's really just, it's man up or die. That's the Ironborn culture because they they have a hard life. Like, it all makes sense stuff. how she behaved and what she said, but I still don't like right. it. Right, yeah, yeah. And, uh, it makes and sense, I want to root for her, but also I'm kind of rooting in the long term. I don't want Theon to join them. I want Theon <laughs> to find some other routes. You know, I want him to make a difference in some other way. Well, maybe, uh, you know, if their plan is to team up with Danny, and, you know, if they're going to team up with Danny, then they're going to learn some new things because Danny's... Danny's pretty, fairly progressive. Uh, she's violently progressive. She <laughs> forces her way, but she does have. She is a, a, an agent of change. You know? Violently progressive and progressively violent. <laughs> yes, more and more. <laughs> you're right. That's true. Okay, so there's and it's another. It's, it's it's one of the things I brought up at the beginning of the episode. It's like, well, what would you do? Like, what are your choice? Yeah, what are the yeah. what's what are his real? What are his actual choices? He can't just go. He obviously can't just completely flout Ironborn culture if he's trying to rejoin them. You know. Uh, and he also can't just, like you said, he can't just mope around either. He has to, he's either going to have to find some spine or just retire <laughs> and get out of the way. Put <laughs> Lead on his follower, war face. Get out of the like way. he might just need to put on his war face for the yeah. moment. Like act the way you're supposed to act, you know, play, play your role, play the game. And, uh, and at some point shift gears, find a way out, whatever it is. But, uh, 
So, and it was good to see confirmation. We obviously expected that they were going to go find Danny. It was good to hear them confirm that. Now we know, of course, they're so close to it. Interestingly as well, this is as far east as we go. We go to Volantis, but we do not go any farther east. No Marine again, second episode in a row, and no Danny. I don't suppose we need, for right now, Danny's just marching back south towards Marine, and I guess we need at least one episode of travel in there rather than, she doesn't have a little finger teleporter, so... We're going to have to account for the she travel time. She doesn't have a time. dragon. It seems like she could fly back real quick. Hey, guys, I got I'm an army coming. Yeah, I'll, I'll be back coming. tomorrow. Hold on a second. I got to go feed the dragon. <laughs> it's true. It's like, oh, well, you guys were worried about me. I'm, I'm still out there. So, yeah, we'll have to see what, what happens there. So let us go move on to King's Landing, which is the last major scene we have. And quite a few things happen in King's Landing. We get confirmation of what we expected, that Marjorie is pretending. Uh, we, we certainly were pretty confident in that. I'd say we were 99, 98% certain of that. It would have been pretty weird for her to just flip so quickly after, you know, maintaining her fortitude inside. She tells Olena that, you know, to stay strong, but to get the hell out of there because she's in danger. The High Sparrow made a threat. Now, I wonder, we, we talked several times last few weeks, and it seemed that we were right pretty much every time. Not about the specifics, but about the general idea that the High Sparrow knew that he was setting somebody up. Does he think he knows this, too? He, does he, he, uh, he, he threatened her pretty obviously, and then immediately she's getting ready to leave. You wonder if this was some sort of... Yeah, I, I, here's a couple thoughts that I had. One is I felt like Olena should have picked up a little quicker on what was going on with Marjorie. I felt like what Marjorie was saying, everything was a little too perfect, and where she's being watched all the time... I feel like Elena should have like connected the dots a little bit better. I understand why she might not, because she's so emotionally upset and distraught and confused and frustrated with the whole thing. Yeah. Um, but she pretty quickly did when Marjorie kind of got a little stern. But at that moment, I think that the Septa might get might kind of clue into what's going on there mm -hmm. also. Yeah, maybe. Maybe not. However, back it all up to what you're asking is, what about the Sparrow? I feel like it's it's too perfect. Everything Marjorie's saying is too perfect it's too exactly what needs to be heard and i don't think I, th I feel like the sparrow could see through that i think the sparrow on some level recognizes like for the moment he it's still working out you know what i mean so why why challenge it does that make sense uh especially if he later on can expose like if he's ready for her to do something mm. and he's and and it can expose she wasn't being genuine in the first place mm. after already having one tommen does that make sense he yes, doesn't need her yes, anymore yes right so I, I am a little worried about Elena maybe more than ever. I, I think that I, at this moment, I'm assuming the Sparrow knows that Marjorie is putting on a show. Well, okay, here's what I think, and um, I agree with most of what you're saying, but I think I do think the answer is a little simpler. Personally, I think that this was just a way to get rid of her. He doesn't need to kill her. He threatens her. Marjorie passes on the notice, like, you know, you're in danger. And she leaves, and her influence is gone. And it's just that simple. This is how to get rid of her. This is how to get her out of there yeah. without killing her. yeah. And, and it's worked. It worked. She's, she's saying, I'm leaving. I'm packing. I'm getting ready to leave. Cersei's like, look, we need to work together. And she's like, nah, I'm out of here. You're the worst person I've ever known. You know, all that <laughs> stuff. That was that was really fun. But I think a lot of times, you know, it's fun to think of all the different, you know, ways that all the different things that Spark could be planning. But because this is a TV show and because I don't, I think that any plan that's too complicated, not that what you're suggesting is too complicated, I tend to go towards what I think is the simplest option. Yeah. And I yeah. think it's just getting her influence out of there is, killing her would accomplish that. But that's not the best way to win, keep Marjorie in the fold. Killing her would accomplish that, but right, killing her would create a bunch of other problems. Right, right. Her leaving town, 
She's just no gone. mess. Yeah, yeah, it's just yeah. yeah, no mess. She's just gone. No influence. No pulling her. No one's pulling Marjorie in multiple directions. It's all just we're the only ones influencing her now. No one's there. It's all us yeah. now. No one's like pulling her and trying to argue against becoming faithful. Especially if the sparrow is aware, which he easily may be, that Alain is really pulling the strings. And Mace can't really yeah. make these decisions or control that army or whatever. Or Kevin or whoever else. Yeah, there's other just yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, of course. That's that's the other great. Actually, that's a great point. Not only is getting Olena out of the way create get rid of an important schemer, but Mace becomes like the yeah, guy in more. charge. And if he sticks around, well, then the High Sparrow's like, yeah, put him in charge. He's less then I don't have to worry. He's more manipulatable. He's yeah, more he's predictable. Just, he's a doofus, yeah. right? Like he's not going to come up with some great scheme to like. If he does, if he makes a move, it's going to be probably be something inept. <laughs> so he's like, well, we can. We're not worried about him. Which scene was first? Elena talking to Marjorie or Elena talking to Well, Elena talking to Cersei was afterwards. So this okay, is when she already uh, knows she's leaving. Cersei's like, I've heard you're leaving. Because remember she was writing, writing a letter, letter. Yes. Which I feel like in the past many times someone's been writing and we should have been wonder. paying more attention. What I did write that down. Yeah, yeah, because of all those past ones. You're right. Yeah, it was because of all that. I'm like, wait. And maybe, it, it even made me think maybe maybe Santa wasn't writing Littlefinger. Like, yeah, she probably was. But it makes you, it, it's, we're, all, we're always so suspicious about yeah. these letters now. Yeah, I was wondering who she was writing. I kind of don't think it matters. But I can't just discard it either. She might have just been riding home, making plans. See, I'm, I'm depart, on my way back, but, uh, you know, or yeah. I'm coming back, prepare to receive me. Something like that. You know, it could easily be that. Man, did she let Cersei have it. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if you're the worst person. Like, I'm sorry. I Like, I, you're right. I did mess up. This is, you know, I carry that guilt with me every day. Good. <laughs> yeah. That was a, a big moment, I felt, for Cersei. And I can't help but wonder how much she's just... Saying what she needs to say to let Elena to, to, to calm the this, this situation, which yeah. didn't seem to even calm the situation very much. Or how much of it, even if it was for that purpose, there still probably has some truth to it. Certainly, Cersei regrets this, you know. But it's a lot easier to regret it after it went bad for you, you know what I mean? And her regretting it doesn't mean Elena forgives her, you know. Yeah. But uh, I do still wonder how Cersei walks away from that. Does she walk away from that being like, God, she's right. There's nothing I could do. Oh, well, she's leaving. Good enough. Or just walk away from like, I'm fucking killing that bitch. Talk to me like that. Who does she think she is? <laughs> you know, I wonder which way it'll go. Uh, yeah. But uh, it's interesting. I, I want it, it, it. Another great thing about that scene is Olena also, by, while dressing Cersei down, she also just explains very thoroughly, which something that may not have been quite clear to everyone, including myself, just how little power Cersei has. Yeah. It's like, yeah. look, you have no allies except for the mountain and Kyburn, which is formidable. And the little birds, you know, the little children, which we haven't yeah. really seen that take effect yet. She has knowledge. Seen that. Yeah. She has... She has more than Elena's giving her credit for. She has Jamie, and, and, you know, if this whole thing with the army, you know, works out at all, then they still have that authority, the martial authority, which is very, very powerful. But it's a good point. Elena says your family has kind of abandoned you. It's not entirely true, but they partly have. Tommen is basically... On the other side, Kevin's as against her as Olena was. Um, Lancel's on the other side, clearly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's also worth noting uh, that there are a lot less players in King's Landing in general. Like, yes. when you think of the people that we're naming, even, they're tertiary characters who don't have much power in the first place. There's so many fewer power players in King's Landing, especially yeah. once Olena goes. It's pretty much Cersei's the only one left. You know what I mean? She's like yeah, the only Marjorie central character left Sparrow. in the... Yeah. There's like, no, there's no Littlefinger. the High Sparrow's no... been brought to the forefront. Marjorie's yeah. the queen. Tom is the king. But as far as, like, 
people we've been following all along, people who have had an amount of power in the first place. Even now, Marjorie's still under the Sparrow's thumb, and the Sparrow, you know what I mean? It's fine. Count Marjorie and the Sparrow and Cersei. Yeah. Three people? There used to be like eight. It used to be all the players were <laughs> all there. Littlefinger and Varys and Tyrion and Tywin and on and on. Yeah. You just go I guess Pycelle's still there. He's not a big player, but he's, you yeah. know, he's there. He at least was right about the being careful with the High Sparrow. <laughs> he at least had that one thing right. Now, there's a couple, there's a lot other things from these, these, these series of King's Landing scenes that we should talk about. I appreciated Cersei's little line there. You know, I love my, you love your daughter, uh, or you love your granddaughter, I love my son. It's the only truth I know, which is a line from the Reigns of Castamere. No, oh, is the it? Only, the I mean, only truth, yeah. The only truth I know. It's, it's one of the lines from the song. I should know it. I've recorded a cover of it. But anyway, yeah, that's, so that stuck out. I was like, that's pretty cool. Nice little nod to the song there. But it's also, the Reigns of Castamere is also impending doom. You know, it's for, you know, if you don't, you don't, don't support the Lannisters, if you fight against the Lannisters... Watch out, you know. So it may have been, there may have been that overtone. I don't think Olenna's in danger. I actually had her on my, in the book to show episodes, we do what's called a worry of the week where we name characters that we think are in danger of dying. I had her on there last week because of the little, we saw in the trailer, that scene of her coming around the corner and like, it, it had the feel of an action scene. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, Olenna's not coming out ahead in an action scene by herself. <laughs> yeah. You know, old lady standing there like, uh-oh. But it was it was more subterfuge, not action. It was yeah. it was her reading. But there the was note. A, a, a a tone of suspense to that moment when yeah. she stepped out. So, so I, I, I did misread that. But now I think she's safe. She's gonna leave King's Landing. I don't think sir she's gonna attack her because she's got bigger fish to fry. She's got her trial coming. The High Sparrow is certainly the bigger threat, and Olena isn't a threat, she's just an ally that isn't cooperating. Let me ask you this. How sure are you that she's leaving? I think she's. I do think she's leaving. I think she is too, but I'm only like ninety percent. Okay. I think there's a chance she stays. There's a chance she recognizes the threat instead of running from it. Formulates a plan for it. She understands that Marjorie has the plan now. That's just what she's finally she's like. Yeah. Ah, Marjorie's working the angles, and yeah. you know I gotta. She's worried though. Remember what was said there that Loras is part of the deal with Loras would be have to have to give up his inheritance, which yeah. is huge. Yeah. That would. There's not enough explanation for who other what other Tyrells are out there. We just know there's no other male Tyrell. Mace has no other sons, so we don't know who the castle would go to. It's it's and they haven't explained it. That's part of what I was thinking about. I felt like Marjorie was telling Olena everything you need to know. Like, hey, yeah. this is what his plan is. This is what's going to happen to Loras. Like, was she telling him that? Like, I don't think She's, Marjorie's telling her that so that Olena would be like. Okay, That's well, I guess point. he'll give up his inheritance. She's like, "Letter, you got to do something about this because this is where it's going." This is his goal: uh, is to strip Loras. Yeah, that's that's right. that's the sentence at this point. It's like that's yeah. what they're trying to do. So yeah, that's that's actually that's a good catch there. I didn't really think. Marjorie can only do so much it, about right. this at this moment, but Elena can do something about yeah. it. Yeah. But first, Mom, Grandma, you got to get out of here. You're in trouble. Like, mm -hmm. oh, but once she gets out of there, if she gets out of there, what does she do about Loras? She needs to do something else. She can't just leave and be safe. Right, Elena is also worried about the big picture, the legacy yeah. of her family, and so on. So. And you wonder if she'll figure it out. If she's like, okay, she's telling me to leave because I'm in danger. I wonder if she can figure out what we figured out, which is that the High Sparrow maybe knew what he was doing when he told, when he threatened her, kind of offhand threatened Olena through Marjorie. Marjorie, and the next thing you know, Olena's leaving. That, as we said, that's him maybe pulling the strings specifically to get her out of there. Maybe she figures that out. She's like, yeah. 
he wants me gone. You know, of course he wants me gone. I've confronted him. I've, you know, yeah. blah, blah, blah. She calls me a sinner, et cetera. Unrepentant sinner or whatever it was he calls her. So, yeah, I could see that, you know. It's very clever. I think there's some really neat, subtle things going on. This High Sparrow is a formidable enemy. He yeah, is, well, some people don't like him. Some think he's, he's kind of boring. He's, he's, they don't know where, that, what they're doing with all this. But I think he's just, it's showing another angle to the Game of Thrones. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. he's, he's, this is another path to power. Part of why it he hasn't might, been explored. Right. Part of why might, he might be perceived as boring is because you know there's he's never going to like draw the sword and have a fight with somebody. I mean, he's never going to go to that. Yeah. You know? But yeah, it's just, it's, I think sometimes in like, uh, you know, video games or whatever, there's like different different routes to power. And typically they're designed around like go out and fight people with your sword. But you can also like, you know, use the markets and, and fiddle around with goods and get a bunch of money and just buy better equipment or whatever, you mm-hmm. know. And sometimes there's a religious element to to the effects and power you can gain through that, and uh, or a personal connection to the to the actual ruler. Like it's basically yeah. it's very simple to Littlefinger. I was gonna say we've seen how Littlefinger has made his place for power. Littlefinger and, uh, is basically ruling the Vale through Sweet Robin and the High Sparrow. We've been saying all along the season is his pat. He's trying to run things as much as he can through Tommen. And his pat, and the only way he can do that is to get rid of the other influences on Tommen, or to bring them under the same auspices. He's got, he's got Marjorie, you know, professing faithful noises. We know she's pretending, but he thinks he's maybe, maybe he thinks he's got her. He may be suspicious, which is why he's got Septimella watching her. Like that's yeah. that shows that he's not a hundred percent. He's not just going to take her word for it. He's got the spies in place, and. It's a similar thing. He's made himself a bit untouchable because of his closeness to the real person in power who is supporting his place at his side. Tommen is now fully endorsing the High Sparrow's authority. <laughs> yeah. Just like Sweet Robin is endorsing Littlefinger's authority at his side. And it's, it's just very cool how that is power behind the throne kind of thing where you have this character who could never take the throne themselves. It just, just wouldn't work. The, the the way monarchies work in Westeros and in the real world, somebody with his birth and his station, it's just not happening. He can't, he's not forming a dynasty, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and you have to, it's, it's, which brings us to the next point. Marjorie not sleeping with Tommen for a while. Yeah. That was really curious to me. What do you think about that? I think there's something up there. I don't I don't know what they're trying to tell us. I really I thought even... about it a lot, and I, there's something going on there, and I don't, I'm not sure what Marjorie's doing, and I'm not sure what the High Sparrow's doing, but it's very curious. Something, if you guys have ideas on that, definitely send us their, your way. That's that's the thing that's puzzling me the most right now. Maybe I shouldn't be puzzled. Maybe it's, there's not much to it, but it's, it's really got I feel like they you... put it in there for a reason. I also stewed over that for a minute and thought about it, and I can't quite tell if it's... Uh... I don't know. I, I, I had a hard time in coming through. Where my thoughts started to go were, generally speaking, I'm trying to operate under the assumption that the Sparrow is a good guy, that he's not a, a pure evil, villainous antagonist. There's one definite thing he's done that's hard for me to like get behind is prosecuting homosexuals. That's mm-hmm. like the thing. But if you take that out, I don't think he's done any other evil or immoral or even unproductive thing. Uh, generally speaking, he wants people to like be humble and be nice and be honest and don't murder or steal. Like he just generally speaking, he's like Christian values and <laughs> Christian values also like don't be homosexual. But but take that one <laughs> thing out, and overall, he's good, right? Yeah. And uh, so here was another thing he said c- connected to you know this. Uh, informing the audience that Marjorie's not sleeping with Tommen. Um, 
the other thing that's happening here is he's kind of like pushing her to do it, which again, at this time, in this culture, and in fact, at most times, in most cultures for all of humanity, <laughs> I have this idea in my mind that even married women, for the most part, are being raped through culture, through through history, you know. But it's kind of what he's telling her is like, look, it doesn't matter if you want to have sex with them. You have to. It's yeah, your, it's your duty. duty. It's like, right. you don't, it doesn't require desire. It requires patience. Yeah. It's like, and it, patience. It is All a right. kind of a despicable thing to hear, but it's not some weird, crazy thing that this guy just came up with. No, it's, it's Every the culture, character yeah. in Game of Thrones believes this. Yeah. All of them. You know, like, and, it's, and he's not wrong. In some ways, he's not wrong. It's like, it's weird to think about because we live in a democracy, but in a monarchy, it really is important to have an heir because otherwise yeah. you have civil war. Not yeah. the lack of an heir leads to civil war. It is, it is kind of her duty in a sense. It's like, well, yeah, you do need to produce heirs. It's kind of, it's gross. It's creepy. It's very patriarchal. But yeah, it's and also it's, tr true in a way. Like, and it's also sort yeah. of a uh, a theme of this show and of many shows is it's lonely at the top. Like, you're king. Yeah. You're so rich and powerful. Yeah, but it means I can't do. I can't live the life I want to live. I can't take the actions I want to take. It's lonely at the top. And so, sure, you're queen. But that means you have to have sex when you don't want to. You know? Yeah. But, uh, but anyway, what I was saying is that generally speaking, I, I think that... Uh, I want to see the Sparrow as a as a good guy character that's like ambiguous. We're not sure if he's bad or not, or what his goal is, or if he'll turn out to be good, or is it really bad? Like think of the people he's going up against, Cersei. Like you know, like who? That Sparrow is so terrible. He wants to. <laughs> Cersei's a murderous, terrible, awful person. Like I think, generally speaking, if you remove your attachments to these characters, he's a for the most part, he's a good guy. You know, mm. but it's starting to make him seem like a little less of a good guy when he's telling Marjorie, "You have to go have sex with you once you're not." But I again remind myself within his culture that that's not some weird evil thing he's doing. Everyone, everyone, Ned Stark would tell Sansa Stark that when she got married. You know, like yeah, all she would. the and it's not some weird thing in Game of Thrones. Like through history it's just it's that is even telling Arya that it's like you'll marry you'll grow yeah. up and marry this and do this and she's like nah that's Sansa <laughs> and Ned doesn't argue with her he's like but he still like, is like kind of that's yeah. his thinking even Ned a really honorable guy is like this Which is what again, daughters do it is part of the problem or a problem or my problem with this culture this mentality this mindset and generally speaking the People in King's Landing are maybe more enlightened, and maybe people in Winterfell, the North, are maybe more honorable. Yeah. And even, but even these people have this mentality. What the hell are the Ironborn doing? Screw! <laughs> I don't care. Who, I don't want the Ironborn to win anything. Even worse. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um. Did you have anything else for this scene? Oh, actually, I had one more thing at least, which was Olena saying, "What are you going to do? Kill them all yourself? You know, you've got no this, no that." And that reminds me of the theories about. The Mad King saying burn them all and the hidden maybe there's still wildfire hidden somewhere in King's Landing is like well maybe yeah, she is going to want to kill them all maybe that is what if yeah. she got she sh she was willing to to kill herself and Tommen when it looked like Stannis was going to win yeah she's just going to be the type to take everyone out with her that's that's been a theory out there for a while so maybe and that we, was an allusion to that she's also closer to having that in place than anyone else we know that she was having the wildfire made in the first place before Tyrion yep. took over his hand of the king it's true she's aware of it so uh, at least the possibility she sees destructive power she saw the battle of the blackwater she knows what's up with that stuff she knows that, that you know what it can do and if Tommen dies watch out cersei will have very little to live for and that could send her into the I've got nothing to lose. I'm going to take everybody with me, you know, et cetera, kind of frame of mind. And in a sense, she's already lost Tom and he's alive, but she hasn't lost him. And she's obviously 
the reason she's staying. She's like, I will never abandon my son. I will never give up on him. If he's dead, then then yeah. she's got nothing to, you know. This is the one thing keeping her going. So if he's gone, then what's left? Especially if, you know, then, then I guess it's Jamie. But, you know. Yeah. Jamie doesn't, I don't think, care per se about being in King's Landing. You know? Yeah. I mean, he wanted to be there for her. But, you know, if, if they're not going to be she's in charge she's anymore. Queen, or yeah. She's not queen or something. Exactly. Know, she's removed from it. It'll change everything. Let's go back to Castle yeah, Rock. It, it'll change and everything. And start a whole new series. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Well, let's do, our, let's do our credits. And then we'll come back to talk about the next time. we got a lot to say about the next time. We have a little extra time for it this time as well. And it looks like there's going to be some exciting stuff in this next episode. Remember that last year, episode eight was Hard Home. It was the most exciting episode of the season. And this episode had a lot going on. It was a little slower. That doesn't mean it isn't good. But I expect the pace to pick up next episode. So if, if you're one of the people that doesn't want to be spoiled, well, check out our credits, hear our acknowledgments, and then we'll see you next week. But... I know this is more tempting than normal to check out what we've got to talk about for what's coming because it's going to be big. But first, a big thanks to First Lord Cash Craig, Hand of the King, Lord of Mines, Lord of Makers, and the Black Pupil. Thanks to Lord Jim the Fortuitous of Wars and Politics of Ice and Fire blog and Warden of the West. Lord George Stormsville the Cunning, Lord of the Chiliad and Warden of the East. Lord John Reed of Castle Woodridge is the Lord Borealis, the Light of the North and Warden of the North. Lady Kelly McMath of Covington is Lady of the Villa Hills and Crescent Springs, Warden of the South. Also, a special shout out to the Island of Bermuda and a special shout out to the Maester of Montreal. Also, thanks to Rory the Rogue, Archer Extraordinaire, and King Beyond the Wall, who not for a moment questioned fighting for Jon Snow. He He's with Tormund. He thought, if we don't fight for someone who risked his life for us, we're cowards. He didn't need to be told that. Small Council is made up of Lord James Inkblade, the Scholar Knight, Master of Whispers. Grandmaster Saria of the Barrows is Cinder of the Citadel and a far greater Grandmaster than Grandmaster Pycelle. I guess that's not saying much, though. Lord Robert Jacobs is our Master of Coin, a better Master of Coin than Littlefinger, and that is saying something. Roisy the Clever is our Master of Laws, and Lord James Tuttle is our Master of Ships. Lords and ladies in their castles include Lady Dyerliz of Castle Naki, the Alpha Patron. Lord Dan of the Red Mountains and Castle Great Belt is Breaker of the Second Stone. Lord Skip of the Velt is Lord of Castle Ganges. Cabethian Frozen is Lord of the Bricks and Castle Crimson Light. Mary Meg is Lady of the Bloody Stepstone. Gregor the Toasty is Lord of the Bread Fork. Alicia Everlasting of the Green Blood is Lady of Desert Rose. Jeffrey the Unflinching is Lord of Sand Lake. Lord Greybay is of the Queen City. Lord Ryan of Castle Stonegate is Guardian of the Rocky Mountain Pass. Lord Garen de Havilland is of Devil's Hand Keep. Lord Brandon Slate is the North's Hammer and Harbinger of the Old Gods. Lady Bram is Light of Winter's Garden, Beacon of the Northwest. Lord Mark Joseph is the Snow in Winterfell. Ashlyn Winter is the Hawk's Eye, Lady of Castle Skyfall. Lady Mikkel of Moonacre is Leader of the Werewood Protectorate Alliance. Lady Cochon Volant is of Swine Harbor. Lord Barone of Hillcrest is Lord of the Halls and wielder of the Valyrian Steel Machete Everblades. We also have King's Justice Sir Troy the Steady, wielder of the Valyrian Steel Blade Fate. Our King's Guard is commanded by Lord Commander Dubbington, the Red Bear. And we also have our History of Knights, History of Westeros Knights Watch, commanded by Lord Commander George the Golden, and First Ranger Fabian Flowers, the Bastard of Greenshield. We'll be de debuting a new 
member of our History of Westeros Night's Watch in the next episode as well. That's always fun. So, we'll be right back with the spoiler-filled trailer discussion. So stick with us if you are interested in that. Otherwise, we'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us on History of Westeros and Valar Morgulis. Okay. You know how changing one thing about your look can make other things look a little different by comparison? Well, I got a haircut recently, and I, I thought maybe it would make my beard look bigger, but it still looks pretty small next to yours. <laughs> so, well, I can't, can't, uh, can't blame a guy for trying. Now, a moment. Okay, so trailer discussion. This is really exciting. A moment that I've been waiting for, something that fired me up from the preseason trailers, was the line, stand aside or there will be violence. And Cersei, in kind of a, in a really well-acted line, she's like trembly but firm. I choose violence. And we're getting that next episode. That is yeah. coming. We're going to see the mountain wreck some shit. And it might be Lancel's death, so uh, I don't know if Lancel is making it out of this next episode. But oh man, there's also a, a like a shot of the mountain just like pulling someone's head up from behind as they're on the ground. It's like really savage and brutal looking. Woo! That Look. person might not have a head by the time <laughs> that scene finishes. I don't think so uh, either. It's going to be, and Kyburn is standing behind her. That's one thing I yeah. didn't really realize before is Kyburn is standing with her. Yep, I, I took note of that. And I th the thing about this that I was most intrigued by is it appears to me as though those faith militant are trying to get in. They're saying stand, like they're trying to come through saying stand aside. Where are they trying to go? Where I are they trying to get to? Okay, so here's something we learned from an interview. That the Jonathan Price, and this it's funny, these actors, they just, some of these actors who aren't regulars on the show, like meaning they haven't been on the show for all five, six seasons or whatever, they just say things that they shouldn't say. It's fairly <laughs> common. So, you know, honestly, if you're spoiler conscious, never read actor interviews until after <laughs> the season. Because he basically pointed out that the Sparrow is going to get his comeuppance at some point. He's getting a little too high and mighty. And he basically says he didn't consider that what if Cersei just doesn't show up? For her trial. She just decides not to go. Uh, and so I think that's what they're there for. Is they're there to collect her. Uh, and be like, you better show up. You know? And then so she just doesn't show up. They're waiting for her. She just doesn't show up for her trial. And they send, you know, so it's like, okay, go get her. And he's just like, nah, not happening. Something like this. So that's my guess that she just doesn't show up. And they come for her. And I she's like, end, no. <laughs> I wonder if that does make sense. But it's still a little, She it doesn't. At the moment, it seems like she plans on going. She told James, like, oh, I've got the mountain. He's like, what about yeah. the trial? I got the mountain. I'll worry about the trial. So why, why would she not go? Good point. A good question. And, and the other monkey wrench there is that another <laughs> shot that we see in this trailer is her walking into a room with the mountain and Kyburn, and there's a lot of people And crowds there. of people, like, looking yeah. to her as she it's comes in. It's as if in. that is the trial. So I'm, yeah. I'm confused as well. I, I don't see how those two things fit together. It could be that she... Something that the High Sparrow changes the rules. One thing I've seen is that suggestion that she he tries to make it a trial by seven. Because he knows. When she tells Jamie, I've got the mountain. It's another example of, well, the High Sparrow knows that too. Yeah, like, he yeah. knows that you've got the mountain to fight for you. And it could be one of those things where he's just so devout that he expects the gods will... The gods will execute their will one way or the other it's a trial by combat yeah. and that's if what i've been the mountain wins yeah. then the mountain wins you know but if but he's but if he uh, he may have you know be willing to manipulate things a little bit like we said many times cersei just doesn't have really power anyway so she can have a trial be exonerated of her sins and there it's, i don't he doesn't care anymore is he she's already not she she's already out of the picture so yeah. it doesn't really matter if he 
he the wants mountain her, wins a trial by He combat. wants her influence removed from Tommen. He right. wants, like, Tommen, basically wants Tommen to himself, basically. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't want Marjorie, like, doing anything. He doesn't want Olena doing anything. And Cersei is, and Olena's like, get the hell out of here. And she's like, no, I'm staying. You know, and uh, you wonder if that's, this is going back to Olena a bit, saying, you know, wonder if it's one of those things where you tell someone to do something and they'll do the opposite, you know, you that kind of yeah. stubborn person. Yeah, like, yeah. tell Robert not to fight in the melee, and that's exactly what he'll yeah. do. It's just like, was Olena being like, leave, Cersei, get the hell out of here. Like, I'm going to make her stay, yeah. you know, <laughs> this will get her to stay, and then she's doomed, and finally she'll be gone, you know. Is there someone that Cersei could be harboring? Do you think that's a possibility? Harboring. Like a character that... Yeah, like, Olena's in there and they're coming for her. And so she's not going to mm. let him get Olena. Well, okay, here's another here's another little spoiler thing from the preseason trailers. We see a shot of the little birds stabbing somebody. Oh, really? We see, like, I a don't sh- quite we remember see, that. We see, it's really, really brief. It's an upshot. So you, you at first it's like, what are we seeing? Because you're seeing a ceiling and it's coming down and you see these little short people like bringing something down and it appears to be stabbings. Mm. So someone's getting killed by the little birds. Could be Olena, but it seems like she's leaving. Other possibilities, Pycelle, who was, we talked about how he like made, I like gave Cersei the dirty look and I was like, she shouldn't be doing that to someone who has the mountain, yeah. you know, on their side. I don't see her like, you know, so Kyburn could be sending them on his own to kill somebody. So Pycelle, Kevin, there's another one, Olena, maybe even the High Sparrow. You I know. think of all those sparrows most likely. Yeah, but but he's the one that she has the least access to because he's somewhere else. But still, it's not like he's untouchable. So yeah, I'll, but there's but there's that's, those are four different very strong distinct possibilities. I think Olena is the least likely out of those. Yeah, I think of those characters, most of those characters wouldn't be near those children in the first place they wouldn't be in the streets and if they were no no it's not in the children it wasn't in the it wasn't it was inside it was clearly indoors right but even indoors those kids could just go into the set to 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 pray i agree but not be suspected but in the red keep remember these were the same kids that varus was using these there's secret passages and tunnels all in the red keep yeah you could pretty much have them there in the red keep they could pop out just about anywhere i think you know just the same way Tyrion and shay had their like secret room all that stuff there's that isn't necessarily what's going to happen, but it, it could be easily explained if they can yeah. make if they can sneak into Pycelle's room or Kevin's room or. But High Sparrow too. That that also fits. Like there, like you say, he's not going to suspect a group of little kids. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm not worried about the he's kids. He's most likely to be around them. Yeah, and uh... so that's really cool because you like you say there's some very there's four possibilities, all of whom work really well. This would all be have some pretty severe consequences, and it would make some major things happen. I just don't know. It, it could be any of them. I do have some thoughts based on some things in the books, but it, it's such a, you know, the, it's one of those things that the books do not have to mirror the show at all. And, you know, even if they do, it could go, it, could, it, can, it can cause a much different reaction. The plot can go in a different direction because of it. So I won't even go into that, but of course, but that's, I'm really excited. Yeah, until Wednesday. I'll head <laughs> up on Wednesday. Okay, so what else do we see from there? I think the only other scenes from King's Landing no Olena. I don't see any shots of Olena at all. So I do think maybe she's just left, but who knows? That we could we could still see more of her. They just don't want to maybe don't want to reveal what's going on. But there's a lot of scenes at River Run. It seems like in fact, we only see scenes from about four, well, maybe four or five places. We see Arya jumping off of a building. We see the waif turning her head to the side and looking very surprised. That was a thing that I was gonna bring yeah. up that we didn't get to talk about. So the waif, maybe it's she's She's Arya. It's like, whoa, Arya is like, what the hell? You know, something like that. Or 
I don't know. Something to do with with Jake and coming around and and them fighting. I, it's hard to predict, but we're definitely seeing more Bravos. Here, here's my here's my very loose prediction. We see Bravos. We see this whole thing wrap up this next episode, and then we don't see Arya in episode nine at all because there's going to be the big battle or something. That's when it's episode title for episode nine is Battle of the Bastards. So. Well, that just gives it away. <laughs> and so I don't. I think that be, could be just like the following the pattern of other seasons. It'll take up nearly the whole episode, if not the whole episode, right? Like we've seen battles that just like take up the whole time. Battle yeah. of Blackwater, Battle of Hardhome, Battle at the Wall, like whole episodes. So like that'll be a lot of plot lines. We, we don't see them at all, episode nine. And then episode 10, Arya gets on a ship or something and heads back to Westeros. That's my, that's my prediction. Um, I don't know what ship, or maybe if she goes with the play, she goes with the, the troop, rather, something like that. That would make a lot of sense there, traveling show, and they go there, and they go to Westeros. Somewhere in Westeros, there's so many possibilities there. They could go to the Vale, they could go north, probably not north, but they could go to King's Landing, they could go to Old Town, they could go, who knows, a lot of different possibilities. We didn't see Sam or Gilly, still don't know what's up with them. This doesn't mean they're not in the next episode, but there's nothing of them in the trailer shots. No Bran. No more northern stuff at all. Basically, in this next episode, we don't see any. We don't see any uh, any um, Sansa, any John, no any Ramsey, Davos, no Littlefinger, no Ramsey, no Littlefinger. We still haven't heard the "Do you like games, little man?" line, which was in the preseason yeah. trailers, which presumably has to do with Ramsey torturing Rickons. They kind of been <laughs> like it's been holding over our heads for a while. Like, please no, but we know it's coming. Uh, Delaying the inevitable, maybe? It's nice that Ramsey hasn't tortured Rick on yet. Hopefully there's no yet. Hopefully it just doesn't happen, but that would kind of be weird if he didn't. <laughs> you know, it's like, how long can Ramsey resist having someone in a cell and yeah. not doing anything to them? Also, the timelines aren't necessarily... It's not... If we're not seeing a character in an episode, it doesn't mean those characters just sit in a room by themselves and don't say anything. Good point, good it, point. Yeah. They show us different moments of time in different episodes that aren't necessarily perfectly congruent with each other. So. yeah. So there's a lot of so that's 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 very telling. Just what's not in the trailer. There's a lot of things not in the trailer. We know for sure because there's a lot in the trailer. River Run is going to be a big focus again. It looks like they decided to hold on to this for a while and they're jamming a lot of it all in, the, in a few episodes all together. So there's a lot of scenes from here. We see Brienne there talking to Jamie, giving a letter to the Blackfish that he looks like a little concerned about. We also see at night him pulling his sword out, facing. Brienne, but not in any kind of violent or aggressive way, just like... And then we see a shot of Brienne in a ship kind of looking behind her going down river at night, and we also see the soldiers, the Lannister soldiers, marching away with the phrase behind them. And we see Jamie threatening someone about killing all the Tullys, etc., etc. That didn't work against Blackfish, and it looks like it's in a tent, so I'm guessing he's threatening Edmure. Yeah. Edmure's the true lord of Riverrun, and his word goes over the Blackfishes. So if Edmure has to surrender the castle, or if Edmure orders the Blackfishes to surrender the castle, he has to. I mean, he doesn't have to, but he is, like, by honor bound. Yeah. That's who... Edmure is still Lord of Riverrun, you know, in Blackfish's mind. So if Edmure gives him the order, he kind of has to do it. So that's one, one thing that could happen there. And I think that would make a lot of sense. What do you think? There's a lot, of, a lot to unpack there, a lot of different scenes. I feel like, um... <clears throat> I feel like that was Edmure too. It was sort of a silhouette, and it did, it just didn't look like Brienne. It didn't look like Braun. It didn't look like a lot of the other characters that we would yeah. know or expect him to be to be talking to. And so Edmure does make sense, and it does seem like if Brienne shows up there with sort of this 
a new monkey wrench what everyone's thinking and planning, right? Yeah. If she can if she can get it across to Edmir and or the Blackfish, hey, there's this whole other battle in the north that we need help with. She might steer things in a different direction, especially if there's a way that people could do it without saving face or with still getting some satisfaction. I just don't know. Like, I mean, the Blackfish said himself, it's like, as long as I'm still standing, the war is not over. Yeah. So I guess if he can be convinced that fighting the Boltons is part of the war and we can fight the phrase later under better conditions. Yeah. Um, well, the, all the Stark kids are his nephews. Nephews. So yeah. he could, you know, that's that's better than, that's certainly better than nothing. If he can't fight for Riverrun, he can go fight for people that might be able to help him fight for Riverrun later, his own family. And, of course, the, the Kingdom of the North that Rob established, which is, you know, not necessarily a thing. It included the Riverlands. It was the Riverlands and the North. Yeah. So, you know, if he's like, well, I'll go to Sansa, and, you know, once they clean up the North, say, well... You know, you got to restore Riverrun, too. That's part of the deal, right? you got to help do that. You know, then he would fight for them if, if they promised to do that. There's still see some that things out. about it that are kind of weird. Like, why is... why? It seems like they're doing things in the night, like under secret. Including, uh, like... Sneaking I, away. Remember, you know, they're on the river. The even, castle's out on the... Kind even of even Jamie's army's marching away in the middle of the night. What's... Uh, well, I he wants like, to get back there as soon as... That's part of the, what he says in his line. He's like, I need to get back... He was like, I, I want to, I need to get back to Cersei or something like that. He says, I need to get back, and if I need to climb, clamber over Hell every Tully body, I'll, I'll yeah. do it. So it's, it's something maybe is, something maybe has become time sensitive for him. Maybe something happens in King's Landing, he finds out about it through a messenger or a raven or something like that, and he's like, oh, I got to get back there, you know. Yeah. Or you know, he he wants to get back there quickly anyway. He's 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 he already like, wanted this to go quickly. Like it, generally, I agree, but. Like, does it, can they wait like eight hours for daylight? Then that quickly they've got to be, but you know what I mean? Like, uh, and if it was really was that dire, why do you need to move all that? Jamie could just sprint off on a horse by himself and not move it because those guys are on foot. They yeah. had like a few leaders on knights, but those are 8,000 men on foot, right? So, there, if Jamie really needs to get back fast, he could just. Ride his horse back fast. Well, he wants to bring his army back, too. He, he doesn't want to just go back by himself. Well, generally speaking, no. But if he needs to go so fast he leaves in the middle of the night... Well, I mean, he's it not... Does really matter if they get back? How long? How far away is it, right? It's it's not like... A couple weeks. Right. So does it matter if they get there in two weeks and eight hours or two weeks? Well, I mean, like, all the, I mean, just just why why not leave at night? Because people need sleep. It's dark. It's hard to see. Why? Uh, They're soldiers. They can handle it, right? Like it's just he's push. He's just trying to push them harder. Night marches are certainly a thing that happens in, in you know medieval world. But it's usually when you're trying to get to a battle faster than you normally or just, would have. But I mean, so 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 what? The only difference is he's not trying to get to a battle. He's just trying to get that back as soon as possible. Yeah. It's the same. It's the same difference. I guess. I don't know. It still seems unusual. Well, okay. First here's time the thing. we've seen it in the whole show. First time anyone armies marched at night. Is it? I can't remember ever seeing it. It may be. I, I don't know. It may be. In any case, it's. I mean, it's. It's one for one thing. It's hard to show. You know, film wise, it's hard to show that. But imagine this. Okay, let me let me let me throw a scenario at you. They decide to surrender River Run. Edmure gets gets him to sur surrender. Gets Blackfish to surrender River Run. The Blackfish still doesn't want to surrender to Jamie. So he's got to leave. He's got to sneak off on his own. Or maybe some of the men want to go with him. Maybe some of the other soldiers want to leave. So what better way than do that at night? Yeah. You know. He, Especially if they're going to take a ship, like we see that scene. That's that's what makes me think this is Brienne sneak, looking like she's furtively getting away down by ship. Why would she need to sneak away if she's confronted Jamie and said like, if this doesn't go well or whatever it is she says, then I'm honor bound to fight you. Yeah, you know. Uh, so it doesn't seem like she would need to sneak away. She just confronts Jamie. So if she's sneaking away, there has to be a reason for it. And well, if we also see Jamie leaving, then he must have accomplished his goal. 
And, and you know, because he wouldn't leave otherwise, I don't think, right? I don't think either, but I still don't know why Brienne would need to sneak away. Because she's sneaking away with Blackfish. Why does Blackfish need to sneak away? Because he's a fugitive. He's a he's a, he's a he's totally a fugitive against against the crown. He's he took so River Run back. It's one thing to give the castle back. It's another thing to give up. Well, Edmure would be the one. Yes, like he should have. Like it would be Edmure. Like it, it'd be the equivalent of not reading the fine print in the contract. Like Jamie orders him to surrender the castle, but he doesn't order him to maybe surrender the Blackfish too. It's like part yeah. of the deal is the Blackfish surrenders also. Jamie may not specify that. He's yeah. Like, uh, so Jamie's not going to be like, "Oh, you broke the deal. I'm executing you because the Blackfish got away." I don't think he would do that. I mean, he may be happy enough to have the castle. His mission is not to beat the Blackfish; it's to get the castle back. Right. But but that's when I all that in my mind, I feel like they could just let him go if that if all that's true. Why, why would they let him go? He's a fugitive. Because it's part of the deal to not have why, people be killed and go would back home be, faster. Okay, so you let him go, but why would they trust him? And why would they want him to do that? You know, why would Edmure believe that? Why would he condemn his uncle to prison? Or or ask for a pardon that he probably can't get. Yeah. Especially if Jamie doesn't bring it up. It's it's better to let. I mean, it would be he doesn't if, if Jamie doesn't bring it up. Then why would Edmure bring it up? You know, he'd just be like, get the hell out of here. You know, they didn't mention you by name or whatever. Yeah. Just just leave. And Blackfish wouldn't want to surrender. You know, it's one thing for Jamie to. It's one thing for Edmure to surrender order him to surrender the castle. If he orders him to surrender himself, that's just another thing. Yeah. You know, that's a whole other thing. And, and, of course, there's also all these men to account for. Like, what happens to them? Like, yeah. Some of yeah. them, they're just following orders. Maybe they're, you know, maybe Blackfish is worried about them. But if they're Edmure's men, he has no chart. He has no control over that. You know, it's, it's kind of out of his hands. So, basically, the way, because of Brienne looked so furtive sneaking away, and there was certainly somebody else with her, and it, obviously Podrick would be with her, I would think. But, yeah. You know, I know, like Podrick by the neck. <laughs> yeah, that, which yeah, that's true. And of course, from the preseason trailers, we're pretty sure that was Braun, but maybe not. So, so yeah, that's my best guess. I'm I'm, I'm pretty confident that's Blackfish. Blackfish is going to be in the ship with her, especially because that that whole sword pulling out scene at night. You know, he pulls his sword out and Blue standing right there with him. It's like I just feel like they're going to do something together. Like that was what yeah. they're telling us. All those scenes were at night. All those things happened. I bet they're all happening together. Yeah, I, I agree. There's some puzzling things, but based on what we know, that lines up pretty well in my mind. So, that, um, basically, apart from Sandor throwing an axe, you know, we see him, like, swinging an axe, which, I guess, watch out, Brotherhood, and Tyrion looking up at a chandelier in the throne yeah. room. I guess, uh, I don't know what that's about. I guess they're showing us Tyrion's in the next episode. Marine's gonna be in the next you episode. You know what my thought is? It, uh, the dragon landed on a roof. Ooh, she hears a sound. saw a motion, and Danny's gonna oh, be back on the dragon. Oh, that's cool. I like it. It may not. It may be one of the other dragons. You know, the green, the or Viserion. Yeah. It could be. Yeah, it could be Danny though. That's kind of cool. And we remember we have that preseason trailer scene of where like one of the windows blows out, and it appeared to be the Marine throne room. Yeah, yeah. So that could be dragon blown. There was no flame, but but I don't know what else would cause like it was. It seemed like an explosion, some sort of concussion blast. You know, what else could do that besides yeah. a dragon? You know, like what is it? Someone throwing. Are we supposed to believe that someone hurls a, a catapult shot to the top of this great pyramid yeah. <laughs> inside the city? That's weird. On the other hand, during the preseason trailer, there's also a shot of a bunch of Sons of the Harpies like crouched down amongst bodies in the sand looking up. It almost looks like something out of the scene from last season where they were in the fighting pit. But it was clearly from this season because it was in the preseason trailers. And I really can't figure that out. And we haven't seen the Sons of the Harpy at all this season. We yeah. haven't seen like yeah. their map. We've seen just like the one guy watching Tyrion and Varys from the windows there. So 
It, that is really interesting, and supposedly they're not supposed to be being, getting help from, you know, maybe Tyrion's deal worked or didn't work. So I guess we're going to see some more plot movement there. Because, yeah, the sons are still out there. Whether they've, even if they've lost the support of some of the other slaver cities, they haven't quit entirely, I don't think, yeah. right? I, I, my, I sort of guess that they're going to have just killed some person that they weren't supposed to kill. Maybe they're looting a body or making sure they're dead, whatever it is. And then a dragon's going to come up here overhead. Yeah, like, oh, yeah. no, the dragon's back. So I guess we should be worried about... I've been worried about Masande for a while because, you know, my ho I hope she has a role to play. She can come with come to Westeros with Danny. The problem is Danny has so many advisors already, and Varys and Tyrion are the ones who know Seven Kingdoms, you know? Yeah. Masande is really important because she understands Marine. She knows the, the, the culture really well. She knows more than they do about a lot of things, but she doesn't know anything about Westeros. And this is one of the things. The show gets rid of characters that don't have a role to play. Hopefully, she gets to stay behind a marine and just kind of like help run things, because they need someone to stay there and run things. And Gray, maybe Grey Worm stays too or something. But like, but I'm worried if they kill die. if they kill someone, I don't think it'll be Varus. It's definitely not going to be Tyrion. I don't think. I mean, I think Tyrion's way down the list on likelihood. Like, I just just don't think Tyrion's going to die, yeah. right? But and Var, I mean, it could be Varus. Varus could die. It's it could happen. But I think Masande feels like she's becoming. Like her role is just it's it's unclear and it may not be there. It may not they may not have one and that makes her expendable. And if they want to like tug at the heartstrings or provide some something to get the sons of the harpy back in the game, well, that would be it. And that could also be something that shows Tyrion that you know she was right. He was like, you shouldn't yeah. have like see that you shouldn't have trusted them. You shouldn't have believed this. You should have you know. And that would create conflict with him and Grey Worm. And that could do. It could see how that would drive the plot in some interesting ways. It would be kind of. Sad, but you know, if they're going to kill somebody, there's there's a lack of characters that we care about to kill off that that could be killed off. Barrington's already gone, you know. Jorah's not there. Daria's not there. Who else is there? You know. So I'm worried about Masande. I'm a little worried about Grey Worm too. But I feel like Grey Worm is the leader of the Unsullied. He's going to be there when she goes to Westeros for the for the wars and all that. And we're just operating under this assumption someone's got to die. I mean, like, yeah, right. It's been a whole episode since <laughs> right? someone got killed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there's still Kinvara and these red priests. You know, all that business. You know, like that's that Tyrion and Varys might be facing something to do with that. Yeah, that might come up in this next episode. It's just a lot of possibilities. So, um, closing thoughts. Any? Uh, do you feel like giving this episode a rating? I know it's kind of hard for us sometimes to do a, a one through ten. We do that on our Wednesday episode sometimes, and it's, it's hard way to too do. hard for me to do that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I struggle with I it sometimes too. This episode was kind of bittersweet for me. Like, like I said, I think it's probably going to be a little on the the lower end for me. Not, not even that I didn't like it. It's just it had to. A couple different things about it that really frustrated me. You, you growled when yeah. the hound appeared on screen. It wasn't like, woohoo! I was like, yay! I was so excited. I, I mean, I kind of knew it was coming. But yeah, you were like, yeah. <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> I, I was just, I'm as upset about this as I was about Jorah finding Danny's ring on the ground. It was like oh, the yeah, second yeah, yeah. time this season, something that I thought was preposterous. And there's no way they would do this. And they didn't. And I actively said in the past, if they do this, I'm going to be upset. Well, I'm upset. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, but there's still a lot of great things in the scene. The thing is, we had a few things to complain about. It's, it's the, the, but we still like the episode overall. I mean, the best things in the episode just didn't. There wasn't a lot to say about them. Like Liana Mormont was awesome, but like, yeah. what can you say besides she, she was, was awesome? awesome. You know, yeah. that was a great <laughs> acting job by that kid. Like, what are you going to say? There doesn't. There's not much to break down. It was just great. You know, you can say that and move on. So there were a lot of things like that. Like we talked about, the visuals were excellent. The, the army, the drawbridge. The shot of Bear Island's castle, 
at, just the Glover, Lord Glover was really good, even though that was a short scene. The wildlings and, you know, coming around and, and having their moment. It was just a lot of good acting. And there's usually, you, it's not much to say about that. It's just, yeah. good job, guys. You know? Yeah, the, the only thing I would say is I want, I want three more scenes. I want to know those different characters' names. I want to know the histories. I want to, I want to, when they get into battle, I want to root for them. I want to care if they get killed. I want to be afraid for them, you know? I like believe that, that Laid Wildling's name was Dim Dalba. I saw that somewhere, and but it wasn't said. You know, they just okay. put that behind the episode, you know, in the credits, et cetera. And, and Al Swearingen's, Ian McShane's name was Ray, which is kind of a weird name, Ray. He's Al to me still. Yeah, he's <laughs> Al. Yeah, he's Al. He's Swearingen. <laughs> so... Anyway, I think that wraps us up for this week. We're done slightly early this time. and But we still found plenty to talk about. We just managed to throw in more stuff about the trailer. So we'll be back next week with probably what should be uh, an epic episode. I'm expecting episodes 8, 9, and 10 to have a whole lot going on. I choose violence. I also choose to be excited. And I hope you all choose to be excited with us. I'm sure you're excited as well for these last three episodes. So, Valar Morgulis. Valar, I Bye-bye. choose violences. <laughs> and Valar, see you next week.